Blog Talk Radio. Kane is in the building. Hollywood cold, I'm with Molly G, bro, flying Holly Grove chicks to my Hollywood shows, and I wanna tell you something that you probably should know, this that slumdog millionaire Bollywood flow, and uh, my real friends never hear it from me, fake friends right Hey, good afternoon, everybody, it's Thursday evening, that means it's time at 6 o'clock for an all-new Southern Sports Central, I'm with you, I'm alongside well, kind of, sort of. Eugene Benjamin is back at the studio. I'm kind of en route as we speak, but that's the greatest thing about the uh, the world we live in today. You can kind of come live from wherever you are. Of course, he's over there at the Factory Sports and Fitness Training Studios doing his thing and tweeting out throughout the show. You can follow us on social media, on Facebook at Southern Sports Central and on Twitter at Anthos Sports Central. So, of course, with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and bring him in. Eugene, what's up, big man? How's the uh, – World in the studios. Hey, man, it's nice and cool. Uh, you know, it's kind of odd to actually have uh, some type of conditioned air going on because, you know, as you know, we've had 60s and 70s for the past few days. But, you know, and it was a great day to get out and kick some footballs, uh, work with a, a young man that's hoping to head to over to Ashley Ridge the next couple of years. He's a middle schooler guy. Uh, worked with a couple of kids from Stratford this morning, uh, a couple of kids from uh, Oceanside and Lucy Beckham and, uh, you know, it was a great day to get out in that nice, fresh air, sunshine, birds chirping, fresh-cut grass. It was a great day, man. And uh, to get in, got in, did a little bit of work uh, for my other job. And just, uh, you know, when you and I caught up, you know, we went over the lineup. I was like, yeah, man, finally got to take a take a breath and uh, jump in a quick shower and get this show loaded up and let's get ready to roll. And that's where we are, man, the 602. I know you're on the road, but we're going to hold it down. We got the studio lined up. We got it plugged in. We got everything wired up and rolling. No doubt about it. Talking about rolling through the night, and it's going to be a heck of a night. And we had to go big tonight. Why is that? There's no show on Sunday. It's Father's Day, of course. You know, a lot of fathers out there listening in. We want to say happy early Father's Day to you. But Eugene, myself, and the other guys that contribute throughout the weeks, we're going to give everybody the day off to enjoy with their families and uh, go out there and uh, just not worry about getting on the radio on a Sunday night. Now, tonight we will have a loaded show, as always, at 6.30. Jay Williams, he's the commissioner with the South Carolina Youth Football Association, joins us at 6.30, as always, on Thursday night. Then, oh, man, how fun was that looking at social media when uh, Kevin Villadeau and uh, Live 5 Sports over there with the CBS crew is going to join us at 7. Uh, Eugene got a little creative with that. We'll get back to that in just a minute. But, of course, Kevin... Always checks in with us here in the Charleston area. He also talks quickly about the state of South Carolina. Of course, there's a lot to cover with him because why? Well, Dorchester County joined the party with high school football as they started Monday getting back out onto the field and back on the property. And we'll talk to him about all the schools around the low country for about 15 minutes. Then at 730, we get a new one in, and we're going to give a rookie strike to a coach over Strom Thurmond, he's the DB coach over there, and that is a champ. Well, Champ Merriweather will join us at 7.30. Uh, 
that's going to be fun to get in the hallways of Strom Thurmond. Dinner at 8 o'clock, we're heading to the bayou over there to, of course, uh, well, no Mardi Gras will be in place, but there will be Matt Sims over there hanging out somewhere, uh, I would imagine, in the bright lights of, uh, well, Louisiana. So we'll check in with him and uh, talk about LSU and, of course, how do they look to defend a national championship? And he also works for CrescentCitySports.com, so he'll talk to us about high school as well. Have they started up their seasons over in the state of Louisiana? We'll find out that. And if they have, what are they doing? What's different from here in the great state of South Carolina? Then at 8.30, good Lord willing, and the creek don't ride, we'll hear from the one and only Ken Brown from the high school blimp. He's going to check in from the upstate. Breaking news coming out of the upstate all the way to the lower state. As you know, we've parted up with the high school blitz over at Southern Sports Central, and we've kind of brought in not one but two combines, and there was a little bit of a concern in the month of June, so we wanted to wait a little bit. But we are going to do the junior combine after all. July 18th at Woodland High School, that's over there in Dorchester, South Carolina. It will be hosted again at 10 o'clock. That means you need to be there at 830. You need to be spaced out. You need to have your water bottles. We are going to allow seniors, the upcoming seniors, to participate in the actual combine. You need to go online to the Blitz's website, register now, get your emoji and all that stuff up and running, pay the $25, and let's get after it. There will be the same one uh, about a weekend later over at Conway High School. Coach Terry's got it set up there. That hasn't changed anything. And the reason that we waited we just felt if we kind of give it a few more weeks, almost a month, we just kind of feel a little bit better about it, Eugene. I think it's it's kind of the right time. And, and we're trying to be as good as we can be with the limitations and the restrictions that we have. We're going to honor everything that we have to do to keep these young men and women, because there may be a few ladies that come out in the combine, keep them safe. There will be a social distance rule. We will have all throughout Woodland High School, Conway High School, and all the other high schools across the state, we will have multiple individuals with whistles. You get blown out once, that's a warning. The second time, you'll get sent to the house. It's that serious, and it's that simple. Well, let's keep your T-shirt. That's, how, that's about where it's at. Because this is an opportunity for you young men and women to get a little bit of work in, to get a little bit of film in, and to get some numbers on a paper that you can use for your transcript. Coaches in college will be going to these exact sites and looking and seeing what you are doing because they have no idea. And I did everything I could to make sure that this happened in the low country because at one point we were going to go 100% into the virtual reality. I don't like that. It's not a good view. It's not a really good – I just don't think it's a credible source to go after, even though that might have been what we had to do, and it still might be. Again, if we don't do what needs to be done, who knows what the rest of the future holds. But I'm going to ask you to make sure that you're doing it the right way. Now, Eugene, you've been around a lot of the uh, individuals. How hard has it been for you the last three or four weeks since you've gotten your kickers together, not just in the low country, but you've traveled around, well, the southeast? Well, every, you know, and, and just like when we go to Columbia on Sunday, um, the first thing when the guys begin to stretch out, you know, they, they separate out at six feet. Sometimes it even looks more. And uh, one of the coldest guys just walks by with the thermometer and just puts it to everybody's forehead. Everybody's forehead just walks down the line. Uh, they've done that at other camps. In um, other camps, they've just specifically wouldn't let anybody near the field until, like, the one up in Ohio until they specifically got 
all the kicking tees and everything marked off, two yards, which everybody knows that's six feet apart. Uh, that's actually what I've been doing. That's the model I've been using in Mount Pleasant for a while. Um, but it's really good to hear that, that you know, that they're going to have it there. And it really sounds like, you know, that they're going to, like you said, have the officials blow the whistle. And if you're inside the COVID zone, then, uh, you know, you get a flag on the place, so, so to speak. And, and that's real cool because, like I said, you know, when we were going down to Florida, honestly, I think I, t- I texted you, um, you know, once we got over the Florida line, we got through the, the COVID line where they were screening people. And, uh, you know, anybody from New York and New Jersey, the state of Florida was turning them around, you know, kind of go back home, so to speak. And so, um, you know, and, and nobody wants that. Nobody wants to not have a combine. And, you know, I'm thankful it's at Woodland. That's a great place. I know some of the, my guy that's trying out for that's really pumped about it. And then one interesting thing you brought up, um, you, I believe, were at that game watching the Oceanside playoff game, and you brought up the, the guys and ladies. Because if you'll remember, uh, the starting kicker for Woodland was a lady last year, and she was very talented, man. She, she actually hit a, a field goal that ended up being the winning score uh, during their season against Whale Branch. And um, so it was really fun. You know, the guys had some fun, you know, kind of hanging out with her before the game and after the game. Uh, she's a superstar soccer player. I mean, she. She's a very tall, tall lady. So I think she's about five eleven. Um, you know, yep. with a heck of with a heck of a leg. And um, so anyway, but yeah, you know, I'm glad you brought that up for it's open to them because you know, if ladies want to come out, come on and, and showcase your skills. You never know. But um, you know, I think the COVID thing, people are going to take it serious enough for the simple fact that even for the quote unquote non-believers, I think they just don't want to risk it. Like that one percent is not right. worth the risk of not having a season not having a camp. I just think people are going to buy by the rules. Everybody's going to play fair. You just have to suck it up and, you know, wear a mask if they don't want to or whatever they got to do just to, you know, just to be able to have it. You know, it's kind of like if you don't play by the rules, you can't play the game. So I think people are going to play by the rules and hopefully, you know, we'll get it all done and uh, have a good camp. Well, you know, we were kind of called out a little bit, or let me say I was called out on social media by a coach about, uh, you know, I am a little bit reluctant in people moving as fast as they're moving only because they're not doing it the right way, okay? As long as you're doing it the right way, I want you to go to the beach. I want you to go do the things that you need to do. Just stay distant, okay? So here's the thing. I'm not going to do anything, and I mean anything, that's not going to be 100%. It's just that simple. So when it comes down to this combine, and like the conversation that was had kind of at me, when I made the comment about it, it was a little too fast, the individual says, kind of like the combine. Well, check it out. Yeah like the combine, that we're going to do it the right way. Like, we're going to do it by the legal way, okay? We're not following the South Carolina High School League. We're following the rules that are set out by doctors and those who are medically, medically prepared to tell us how to do this. So when I'm doing something in the right way, and I'm just going to say this, you know, I'm not getting ready to have a, a rant about I'm 40, but I am going to tell you, don't send for nobody, especially when they're doing it for the right reasons. Because that's just that's just a bad look on you, and it's a bad look on the school you represent. So I'm going to say that, and for those who need to understand, who have concerns about how this is going to be ran, trust and believe me. I've got four amazing children. I treat your children sometimes, probably, if you ask my kids, better than I treat them. I will guarantee you that they will be socially distanced or they will be socially in your car riding back to the location that you guys came from. 
I'm not playing with it no more than they are, but we cannot allow these young individuals to suffer an opportunity and not get some numbers under their belt and on some paper because we need, we got to have these young individuals in college going and playing the game that God's given them the ability to play. And without giving them the opportunity to get off the couch and get out of the living rooms and get off of whatever they're on and get on these fields and get this stuff done, I'm going to tell you something. It's going to get harder. So trust and believe me, six foot will be the rule. Fist bump, elbow bump may not even be a thing because we're not going to titter with this. Coach Schmidt is the coach that it will represent this side of the state in this bowl game that's going to happen in December. Keep this in mind. He lost to COVID-19, his father-in-law. If you don't think that this isn't a serious deal to the manners of those coaches and the uh, – and, and those who give their time as a, as a volunteer, then, then, then you're missing out. Because I will not put my name or any individual that works for Southern Sports Central, nor will Ken Brown and the high school blitz put him nor his individual in a position to endanger your children. It's not going to happen. Coach Cyber and his entire crew are ready we are going to do everything in our power to make sure that this is a successful yet fun but very safe combine. And that's going to be from Columbia to Greenville to Charleston and up on the Grand Strand. So we'll put that comment to sleep right now. Now, if you have any questions and you want to talk a little sports tonight, we do have a loaded guest list, but these guests want to hear from you just like we want to. If you have a question for any of our guests and you want to just join in, we'd love to hear from you tonight. The number to call in is 323-784-9681. Again, the number to call in to be a part of what we are doing here tonight is 323-784-9681. Now, I can tell you this. It's going to be a fun-filled three hours or a little less than that now because we're up and running here on the show. Uh, of course, we're always looking forward to Jay Williams joining us. Kevin Villager's got a lot to cover. You got Coach Champ Merriweather all the way from Strong Thurman is going to join us. That's that DBU University or well, high school level getting ready to join us at 730. Matt Sims all the way from Louisiana. And then Ken Brown might, we think, will wrap it up with us at 830 as he, of course, represents the high school blitz as we've all partnered up together. And Coach Smitty, you may be listening, man. Come on in, hang out. You know, you just have to be, you know, ready to kind of sit back and enjoy the show and we can all talk it up as we kind of get through. Uh, a couple of headliners, though. We do go, we're going to talk some headlines here real quick um, as uh, we uh, are going to take a break, actually. Let's do that. Let's take a quick break. Let's reset some things. And when we come back, when we come back, here's what we're going to do. We'll talk about some headlines before we bring in the man at 630. That's Jay Williams. He, of course, is the commissioner with the South Carolina Youth Football Association. Guys, don't go anywhere.
Welcome back, everybody. I'm Richie. I'm alongside Eugene Benton, back up the studios, coming to you, of course, all the way. Well, he's in the North Charleston studio here tonight. We've got a couple of them that we're able to get out of. Of course, Somerville is uh, Studio A. I guess Studio B would be over there, Park Circle. Uh, Eugene, uh, a lot of things to kind of talk about before we hit the guest list and we start bringing those individuals out of the green room and get them in, of course, to uh, the hotlines and through tonight's uh, hot topics. And, of course, uh, you saw the news out of Florida, where the Gators look like they are going to do away with the Gator bank shop. I'm a little confused about this, but uh, Eugene, I know you're a big Florida Gator guy, man. Uh, your thoughts on the uh, Florida Gators, man, not going to use the uh, the Gator bait uh, champ song. And I was sitting there saying, you know, well, what are we going to do? Like, you know, because it's the band, it's the cheer, it's the done, done. I mean, everybody's familiar with that. Um, and then, you know, the comment from the athletic department was that they did research and they didn't find anything that it was racist. But in the time we entered, the comment was something, but, but if someone feels that it is harmful, that's why they made the decision. So I'm kind of confused by that. Is this, I, I guess, and then I saw something like a, an advertisement or something, or maybe a comic strip from maybe the 20s or 1910s or something. But the athletic department said they did research. They didn't find anything specifically racist about it. However, in the interest of making sure that everyone feels, you know, included and welcome, they decided to make the call. So it's just very, it's very odd to me. I mean, if someone could point me to it, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy to accept that um, and, and go on, which, you know, I have to accept it and go on anyway. But, um, right. you know, I, I just, I've never seen anything like that. I never thought of it like that. I mean, the whole Gator Bay thing is simply that, you know, the visiting team, it's no, to me, it was just like um, Mike the Tiger's um, uh, cage or, or million dollar facility, if you call it that, is uh, right by the visitor locker room. It's like, you know, or, or the eye of the tiger at Clemson, you're just, you know, you're throwing someone to the Tigers or, you know, you're feeding the opposite team to the, to the Gators. And so um, I just, I, I, I was very shocked. I'm still a little shocked by that. And, uh, you know, but I guess we have to roll with it, uh, whether we agree with it or not. Uh, for some reason there was, you know, the people that made the call or made the decision had, had a reason for doing so. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll live with it. Yeah, and I, you know, and, and again, I'm 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 100 on board with what you see in, in, in certain areas and certain things that we're doing. This is one that it doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I, I don't understand. There's not a, uh, from what I understand, again, I'm not a Florida Gator guy. I did visit Florida while I was trying to pick what college I wanted to go play uh, my sports uh, at the next level. But I, I I never heard anything that would have been, you know, I get Ole Miss. You know, you kind of get Ole Miss's thing. You know, I can understand. You know, there being some issues with Ole Miss's the the mascot changing that I I can understand you know uh, Virginia I Virginia you know there where they've got the swords under the V and you know uh, you've got some history there that has I can promise you has kept some athletes from going there. Okay, I understand that, but we're talking we're talking about the Gator Chomp. It's the Gator Chomp. And again, I, again, I, I'm with you, Eugene. I I would love for somebody to come in and call in and and give us an idea of why would they have felt. That this was, this this was what they were dealing with with all the things that we are going through right now, and this was the right move because it's just to me I I don't understand it I, I don't, um, and, and I've been very pro change and, and understanding change because I have to take myself 
And, and sometimes you got to step out of your own skin and understand that, that yeah. somebody, you hear it one way, but they hear it another way. And, and that's the thing is that, you know, for, for a lot of reasons, and Reggie and I talked about the, the one thing that I thought of all, all the name changes that I agreed with, I didn't have a problem with, was Tillman Hall. And it's not that I went to Carolina. It's because I read part of his economics book. Um, and the things that were said in there were just blatantly hurtful, harmful, painful, racist, all of the above. Um, but, you know, right. it, it, it's just so much with the name changes, you know. So at some point, you know, I'm sure you saw that the folks wanted to change the Strom Thurmond Center. Um, you know, I, I don't want to ask Mr. Merriweather tonight because, you know, he's a coach there. And no, I'm sure he may or may not have his feelings, but, you know, he, he coaches at Strom Thurmond High School. Um, and, and the people want to change that. But, you know, if you look at things, I mean, there are political parties, you know, and I'm not getting into politics. This is strictly on, you know, changing names and how it's impacting sports and, and songs is, you know, the Democratic Party was one of the founders of a very hateful racist organization. Now, I don't, I don't know that somebody's wanting to change that name. So I just don't understand some of the stuff. And again, maybe because I'm not privy or I don't, no one's ever informed me of the gator bait thing. And right. I, if, if I see it, if someone can inform me that, you know, I will definitely give them the benefit of the doubt. I, I, it would change my opinion if there was something, you know, outwardly blatantly, you know, something that was really harmful and hurtful about that. Um, but, you know, as for now, it's kind of like, uh, very upsetting today about hearing that without having some type of uh, evidence of it being harmful. Yeah, I, I would agree with you 100%. Now, uh, we are going to go to Brenton here in just a minute. I just I wanted to bring that out. For you guys who don't know, uh, you know, Eugene went to the University of South Carolina, but he is a Florida Gator. Right? He's a big Gator guy. So I just kind of want to get his thoughts and opinions on that. Is, uh, is Again, if you would like to chime in and maybe – Maybe Eugene, you put it out there on social media. You know, uh, you know, maybe put it up somehow as a poll question. I'll give you some work assignment during the break there. But I'd just like to hear people's thoughts on, on good idea, bad idea. Why would you do it? Idea? I don't know. I want to be educated. Again, I'm asking the question why. You have the answer. Call in three two three seven eight four nine six eight one. We are definitely still a hundred percent pro uh, love. We're pro unity as a as a community, if you will. And uh, the one thing that, that, that really melted my heart, the uh, most recent tragic situation that happened in Atlanta, of course, talking about uh, Mr. Rashard Brooks, who was um, taken away too early, um, was when his, uh, his wife spoke uh, to the media. And she said, continue to protest, but do it calmly. And you can hear the child in the background, the quiver in her voice, she said, let's not go, basically, let's not go the violent route. And this is from the mother, the wife of, of the man who, who was taken uh, in a heinous crime against a, a man that used his superior authority, if you will, to play, I would say, God. No better way to say it. And his day is coming. And, and, and I do believe that. But all I'm asking for, and it, it does justice to my heart when I see these peaceful protesters doing it, as I say, the right way. Trust me, things are changing. Things are happening. Things are going to continue to change. And you know what? People don't like change the way it works. You know, time changes every second. Reality is different every day. Change 
be the difference. So we head to break. We'll come back. We'll, we'll get in here. And one thing that doesn't change is at 6.30 on Thursday, Jay Williams jumps in here from I may be up there at Woodland. He might be at Somerville. I don't know where he's at today. Wherever he's at, he's making things amazing with that youth football program around the state of South Carolina. And uh, that's where it starts is with our youth. And isn't it sad as an adult? We're supposed to teach our children how to act, how to respond, how to love. We're never supposed to teach them how to hate. But we do a great job at that, don't we? But yet it's our kids who teach us how to love, how to forgive. Your kids are the only one five minutes, and you can be the biggest turd in the world. But they love you forever, unconditionally. I'll leave you with this before we go to break. If you've ever taken your child, you take them to a playground, and you just put them in the play area at McDonald's or your local play area, they could care less who else walks in that gate. All they know is we just picked up one more playmaker, and it's about to go down. Why don't you live like that? Do that at your job. Ask the guy beside you. I've said it a hundred times. Go down the street. Go across the street. Introduce yourself to your neighbors. Introduce yourself to those in your community. We're going to go to break. Just something for you to think about, guys, because it starts with you. And I'm talking to you. Yeah. One person makes one change, and it changes multiple lives. As you've seen this with all these innocent I mean, violent situation. It didn't just change the gentleman that, 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 that got killed in Atlanta or the other individuals that have been killed in the last so many years. It's taken their families and other families and other families by one thing. So instead of us doing it the wrong way and it having a multiple effect, let's start doing things the right way. Go to break. Think about that. We come back. We got some talking to do with the man, the myth, and the legend with the South Carolina Youth Football Association, Jay Williams. That's where it starts at, ladies and gentlemen, the youth program. So we'll we'll dive in with them and we'll hang out with them here as we come back from break, guys. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Southern Sports Central right here on Blog Talk Radio.
could make a crippled man walk. You could make the quietest man in the world talk. Yes, nobody else will do. Every little boy in town won't have yet his arms around. But no one else will do but you with your 3921 artist. Yes, you got me going aiming at tape over you. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Southern Sports Central Live here coming to you. Of course, I'm out on the road, and Eugene back at the studio. And uh, we will, of course, uh, hopefully in just a minute, Eugene, uh, be able to pick up uh, the commissioner. He was uh, trying to get in here. We were trying to get him on board here. Again, he comes to us live. Uh, not sure where he's at, but we're going to bring him in now as we go to the, well, Tent Farm Hotline with the one and only Jay Williams, the commissioner for the South Carolina Youth Football Association. What's up, Jay? Nothing much, Richie. How's it going, man? Not bad, man. I'm on the road. Eugene back at the studios, and uh, we're just trying to figure some things out here. Sorry about that uh, mix half there. But, uh, man, you guys have been up and running now for what? Is it one week or two weeks that you guys have been uh, putting in some work? Uh, about two weeks now. Yeah, this is week two here. So give us an update, man. I mean, I know I see some cheerleading uh, notes coming across. We've been passing that through our social media. I've seen – some football coaches putting some stuff out, but but kind of give us a recap after last week into this week. Um, well, everybody's starting up, and everybody is, you know, pretty much following these high school guidelines of the phases. You know, keeping in small groups of ten um, with your workouts, and just keeping the kids separated, practicing social distancing, and just really just getting the kids active. Um, it's not like, you know, anyone's out here in full gear or anything yet, just running, you know, basic drills, getting them out of the house, running around, getting active, getting back in shape. A lot of them have been in the house since school shut down. So uh, that's basically where the programs are at, just trying to get everything or get as much numbers as you can at this time as far as kids showing up Mm -hmm. and uh, just getting prepared for hopefully a great year of football. Live right now with the one and only Jay Williams, the South Carolina Youth Football Association Commissioner, as he is, uh, well, starts and stops with him, and he's got a great group of men and women all around him, all the way from the coaches on the football field to the sidelines with the cheerleaders and even some great parents who are contributing. I would imagine uh, that you're having to kind of reach out a little bit, Jay, with your coaches and explain to them, look, 
it's our job to delegate and regulate social distancing. How hard has that been? I mean, it's hard for the older coaches. So is it like kind of uh, herding cats here with these young guys? Um, No, it's been fairly easy, I would say, just, you know, communicating, whether it's a conference call we'd be on or just speaking to them individually. Everybody understands that this pandemic is real. Like, uh, it's not like it's going away just because we started to slowly open stuff back up. So everybody understands it. And at the end of the day, um, we all are on the same page that it's just you football. If this thing gets worse or gets too bad, we know we're going to have to shut everything down um, again. So, you know, just preaching that, it, I, I don't think it's difficult at all. Everybody's on the same page for that day. These cases, safety is the number one important thing. So, um, you know, communicating that has been fairly easy. Yeah, these young kids don't want to go back and sit in the house anymore. I mean, for once, they're tired of playing video games, I hope, I think, because not only have they been on their phones with schoolwork, I've been on their computers with schoolwork. I'm hoping that this reverse psychology of uh, uh, of electronics has kind of burned them out a little bit on the other side. With that, you talked about getting back in shape, getting in shape. What do these kids look like coming off the couch after a couple of months, some of them two or three months? Uh, have you seen these young kids, uh, you know, uh, a little bit heavier than normal? And, and, and how are you guys handling making sure we're not overdoing it and kind of working them gradually back to uh, the shape they need to be in for football? Yeah, you got skilled people coming out looking sort of like linemen right now, uh, sitting in the house eating snacks all day long. Uh, but the process of working them back in shape is it, it's the same thing every year. Uh, they just, this break has just been extended, but uh, normally, you know, they're they're out of your hands after football season. Some play other sports, some don't. So when you get those ones back that don't play on the sports, you can't push them to the limit their first week, two, three weeks out, you have to gradually work them in and gradually work them back into shape. Just like me or you, if we wanted to get back into shape, we have to gradually work ourselves back in. We know it's not going to occur in one day, one week, two weeks. So it's the same process as normal. It's just a later start to the process. That's all. Right. Well, I mean, you know, for you and me, it may take a month. I mean, to be honest with you, Eugene, it's probably a month and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we just throwing some numbers out, man. I mean, I'm definitely not getting it over in two weeks. I mean, there for a while I was pretty conditioned, and, uh, you know, I was doing what I needed to do. I took some time off, and I started running again the other week, man. That's where I felt like I hadn't ran since January. I mean, it's it's interesting how you and I, you know, when we're kids, you know, you, you fall off of trampoline from getting drop kicked or DDP'd off the trampoline from our young days. We get up, we brush it off, we kind of run until it quit hurt, and we get back up and do it again now. I get a hangnail, dude. I'm out for six weeks looking for that athletic duck. I'm not going to work, man. It's just not happening. Uh, you know, so kids are a lot more resist, resilient when it comes down to it. And, of course, they see the, the light at the end of the tunnel. To me, the other side of that is the factor that we're getting the community back together. Sports is known for doing that. And, and what better time to put everybody, doesn't matter where you live, doesn't matter where you come from, doesn't matter. what matters is that this is the team. And everybody's out there together. So you guys are able to kind of do some ministry within the community, within the game of football that you and I are well aware. That's where it starts at, man. Some of the tightest bonds you and I have are there to play on that same field. Yeah, and the crazy part is you don't even realize when you're doing it. It just comes natural, and these kids, they bond naturally um, together. 
you know, I was listening in before I got on, and uh, you made a great analogy. Like if there were some kids at the McDonald's playground playing, they don't care who the kid is or color of his skin or the size of him or anything like that. When that new kid approaches, it's, now we have another playmate. And that's what football does. Like, when your teammates are out here with you, you don't realize it, but you're spending time with these teammates of yours three, four, five times a week. You build that commodity. And some of my best friends are kids, uh, people that I played sports with growing up. That's how we initially met is playing sports. And, you know, just over time, you stuck together throughout everything and ended up with a 20-, 30-year friendship. So, uh, and it's happens naturally. It's not something that's forced upon you. You just if you're spending time with someone you gradually grow close to that person. And sports is what brings that together for a lot of young men and women. Exactly. And no doubt and you know the one thing that is taught the the well the number one thing that's not taught is love. Love is something that all of us hate. Hate takes that that's something that you're taught. You're taught to hate. You're taught to have fear. You know, as kids we come out there's no fear. Man, we jump on roofs. Now, like I told you, we do some crazy stuff. And then we get a little older. We're like, I don't, I don't know about that roller coaster right there, man. I don't know. As a kid, you run into that ocean. You don't think nothing about Jaws waiting on the other end of that thing for your foot. Nope. Not even if you're thought in the world, man. You ain't seen the beach in six weeks or six months or six years. You're diving in like you're getting on the head and, and swing across the ocean. As an adult, now, day you and I, hey, man, look, we're going to tow in real quick. We're going to make sure that water ain't freezing cold. And then we're going to talk about that being somebody else's world, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. <laughs> I, mean, I guess it comes with wisdom. And, uh, I mean, but the kids are carefree, man. They just they all just want to have a good time. And, you know, it's just great having yeah. them out here. So it is, no doubt. So, so tell us, some, do you have any? I know, again, we get you every Thursday. But, but any, uh, any any great stories, any, any uh, celebrations that we're able to kind of talk about on air, maybe the guys at Ford, Asheridge, Somerville. You know, I, I know, of course, uh, Jarrell King, by the way, joined us on Tuesday. If you haven't listened to that with him and Eric Norwood, two former Gamecocks, uh, joined us, one on the offensive line, one on the linebacker core, both played in the league as well. Uh, and, and definitely were uh, entertaining on Tuesday night for the last hour from 8 to 9. But uh, Jarrell actually doing a lineman camp, I believe, uh, every other Sunday. Started it this past Sunday. Uh, that's huge for a guy. Well, he is a big man anyways, but he's doing some offensive line things with a bunch of kids. Uh, not only it looks like Asher Ridge has kind of steered this thing, but opening it up to everybody. Yeah, that, that's major. I mean, for these kids to get the tutelage and the training of a former college and pro, because uh, he made NFL offensive lineman, I mean, that's great. Um, what higher level of football can you get teaching from? Um, there's nothing higher than the NFL. So the fact that Jarrell is willing to come back and give to the community is awesome. Shout out to Ashley Ridge for, like you said, their spearhead in this thing, but they're also incorporating everyone that wants to be involved. They're not just saying we're just doing this just for our kids. It's for all linemen that want to come get this work. And that is tremendous, man. Um, shout out to Jarrell again for doing that and Ashley Rich for incorporating everyone. Um, huge announcement. Um, no, nothing really huge at this point in time. Um, I We do have – some unfortunate news with the league. Uh, one of our directors and board members who helped start the league, uh, 
Mr. Charles Miles. He passed away on Monday. Um, not coronavirus related, uh, but he did pass away. And um, we're, we're sorry for that loss of that Holly Hill community, his family, um, friends, everyone. And we have, we are going to honor him. Lee's going to honor him for helping start it up and being one of the founding members. Our um, conference trophy this year um, for the lower state, the SEC conference, it's uh, going to be named the championship trophy is for now to the entirety of the league. So his legacy goes on forever. We will be calling that trophy the Charles Miles Trophy. The unfortunate news of his passing, um, but his legacy will continue on through the youth sports in the state of South Carolina as long as this league exists, and I expect it to exist for a very long time. So, well, I, can, um, I can tell you one thing. For what you're doing right now, Jay, man, it looks like not only is going to exist, it's going to uh, demand uh, the attention for those in and around the state of South Carolina because we have always said we've got to catch up. Well, we're doing it in great strides, and, and thanks to guys like Mr. Miles there who – as you said, kind of pioneered some things, right? I mean, would that be the right word, kind of pioneered some stuff in youth football? And uh, is there anything that we can do to get the word out? Is there, is there anything for, to help the family uh, in, in need up there in the Holly Hill area? Um, I will get you in touch off the air with uh, his um, co-director, who um, I've been in communication with, who has told me about everything that's going on and see if there's anything that we can do. Um, I know his Viewing is set for Saturday, and his our service is set for Sunday. Um, they're still trying to work out like where the service will be located uh, because he's such a great person, and they expect so many people to want to come. And then, what, what's going on with the world with the pandemic? Uh, you know, it's just difficult to get a place um, that can hold as many people as the family is expecting to be there. Um, so. Uh, I'll definitely get with you off the air about that, Richie, and uh, that'd be great. See if that we can do for that. Uh, yeah, I'll I, I, I do what we can to kind of help the family out because, again, you know, COVID nineteen has really strapped a lot of folks, guys. And, and our job here at this platform is to educate and, and entertain as much, but it's also here to help the community drive us together to work together to get through some stuff. And man, I tell you, you know, there's never a good time to say goodbye to somebody, but if we can play a part to help out to get the word out. And, uh, again, just given those dates, the Sunday viewing the, and, and the Saturday viewing and the Sunday service uh, is a big thing. And we want to send our thoughts and prayers to the community and to the family here in Southern Sports Central. Uh, you know, we'll continue to do what we can do uh, with the commissioner here with us, uh, Mr. Jay Williams, to uh, continue to echo his name throughout the air when we uh, – maybe we'll call the segment named after him. That would be uh, something I think very special as well because I think that we need to never forget, right, today is a very – uh, it's been two very tough days in Charleston. Uh, we can't forget, as uh, yesterday was the Emanuel 9, uh, you know, we remember them and that horrific day. And uh, today, years back, we, we talk about the Charleston 9. So, uh, you know, we, we want to make sure that we remember uh, those who have meant so much to our community and coaches are, are a big role of that. So uh, we're going to look at that and, and, and kind of uh, talking about a, a coach doing something uh, who has, Looks like he's taking another job, and I gotta ask you: you had a game top running back up there in Columbia, uh, doing some great things. But word on the street and on social media is he's a new head coach of a of a football program in the Midlands. He is, and uh, uh, 
that's a great move for Corey. Uh, I think he's really going to build that program up and have them very competitive, and I think he's going to do it in a short period of time. Uh, the great thing with the youth program that he has, he can now turn that youth program into the feeder school for his high school program. And wow, that would be going. tremendous, you know, um, to sure. do. And so he's getting the best of both worlds now. With, you know, he's already got the high school head position there, and now he had the youth program off the ground. Now he will literally, you know, have his hands, like, on his kids, youth in his youth program to high school if they feed right in because he will be intact with both of them. So, I mean, it's tremendous what he's doing. I see that program definitely flourishing. Um, There'll be something to talk about in the private high school ranks in a very short period of time, if Corey can't get it turned around this season for them guys, because that's just how much I believe in him and his vision uh, with this program. No doubt, because he was just talking about it with me weeks ago about trying to find a place to practice. Hey, why why look for the boss when you can be the boss? And he's definitely going to be the boss over there at South Carolina Faith Athletics and Music. Uh, he, of course, is the new head coach over there. And then, you know what? Bring some of your friends along with you because here comes standout Javari Levy uh, joining him. Of course, he played uh, Europe football there, played for the Gamecocks. Uh, that's a huge move. But I think it's just as much of a great move for the for the school that hired both of these guys. Uh, but But let's be honest, Jay, it's a big move for your program as well because now you've got two – solid former college, former professional athlete that could probably come down to Charleston. They could probably go to the upstate and talk to these programs before and after the season to kind of motivate them a little bit. It's got to be nice to have guys like that already on the staff. Right. I mean, that that's tremendous. Um, yeah, and Corey always was willing to live with uh, Linda helping hand. He always told me if I ever needed him to come speak with my, my players, he would come down. Um, and I'm sure uh real the same way. So, like you said, that's great. That's great for the league to have in general. Like, they're a part of the league and just the the type of people they are, they're willing to help. So, that I mean, that's amazing um, that we can offer that to these youth and that he can offer that to the high school at that now. We're live right now with Jay Williams. Of course, he is the commissioner with the South Carolina Youth Football Association coming to us for his 6.30 segment right here on Southern Sports Central. We will be on the air with these guys on Saturday night as they have a game of the week. We will be at a local hot spot in the high school field. If it's Fort Dorchester, we'll be at Fort. If it's at Ashy Ridge, well, we'll be at Ashy Ridge and so on and so forth, all the way to Somerville. Cane Bay and throughout the low country, and we're excited while they play the game that we'll put them on the radio. Then we'll get a player of the game also Thursdays joining us, and maybe a cheerleader get here and do a little cheer for us on a Thursday. But we're going to definitely take it up. But we're not just going to recognize the athletes on the field, they got to come in here with some great point averages as well. Jay, I know you're practicing, which we preach here, man. But uh, tell us about the expectations of playing in this great league that you continue to improve. It seems like every Thursday, man. Well, the the expectation is great competitive football because that's the sport that we're playing, but it's also more than sport football. We want to make sure that each and every player and cheerleader are getting it done in the classroom. And that's what me and you talked about. We're going to highlight a player of the week for success on the field, but we're going to also highlight an academic player of the week. 
each week for success off of the field, in the classroom. Uh, who's that straight-A student that just just blew it out of the water in the classroom all weekend, 800s on everything? Let's nominate them. Let's get them selected. on. So when we do the Thursday night segment, we can highlight someone who does it on the field and who does not off. And how tremendous would it be if it's a player that's doing both? If one player can win both awards one week, like how tremendous would that be to show that I can make straight A's in the classroom and then go out and run two touchdowns on Saturday? It's possible to do. Um, so that is the main goal of the league is athletics and academics because they're student athletes and the student part comes first. So the academics have to be there. Um, but, you know, we definitely want to put competitive football on the field as well. Yeah, no doubt about it. We're looking forward to that segment coming up uh, during the season because, uh, again, when you start to put everything in place and you start to see everything, guys, it all starts in the classroom, all right? This is just the way it works out when you, again, you you start to look back at our Thursday segment when uh, we talked to um, the big man himself, Jarrell King. He said he could not emphasize enough that you are a student, before you're an athlete, he said he had to go to a JUCO school to get what he needed to get because he didn't prepare himself. They had to send him to another school to prepare him to go to college. So, again, not everybody has that opportunity. So, get it done today so that you don't have to worry about it tomorrow. And we're talking about athletes that have already been in the league, have already done some great things. And if they're telling you to do it, then you might want to do it. Jay, what else is going on before we get you out of here, man? Any big news coming up this week? Anything we can help you guys get the word out in the street about the uh, the program or any of the other teams fundraising or anything like that? Uh, one big thing is the league is uh, we we did strike a deal with Rydell, um, and they're giving a discount for all teams in the league that want to take advantage of it for equipment and uh, uniforms for the, the kids. Um, so that was great. Uh, they have some of the best helmets when it comes to concussions uh, for the youth for studies. So for them to jump in and say, hey, we see what you guys are doing in the state of South Carolina. We want to sponsor the youth league and give you all everything at a discounted price. That's tremendous. Any team in the South Carolina Youth Football Association, whether it's lower state, upper state, uh, Midlands, PD, wherever you're located, you can take advantage of that deal. They have different prices for whatever equipment you want to uh, purchase, but everything is discounted for these kids. So it makes it feasible for these parents to buy equipment. And just a big shout-out to Rydell for lending that helping hand. I mean, uh, that that really helps out a lot to uh, keep the cost cost efficient for these parents. Man, you continue to do great things, and the good Lord continues to bless you with the greater things. I love it, Jay. You continue to do it, man, and we're here to help any way we can. So for those parents who are trying to find out information about playing in the league, is it too late, and what do they need to do, and is there a number that they can call to reach out for that one-on-one question? No, it's definitely not too late. Um, It's early in the process. Uh, You can always call me directly um, with any questions that you have. My phone number's on Facebook, our website, scyfa20.com. Um, also on that website, you'll see each team that's in the league and they have their programs area that they're located in and their program director with his or her contact number available. So you can always reach out to the program in your area and get, you know, 
in the, uh, information about individual programs. Uh, but if you know if you want to contact me directly, I can always place you in place of the program in your area because uh, we try our best to get these kids into the programs that they'll eventually go into high school with. Because um, I would love to have every kid come play at Woodland, but if they're not going to play for Woodland, I'd rather them get into the program that they're going to play in because um, that's where they're going to be in. It's cool to get acclimated with those coaches and that culture and everything of that nature. Um, so, yeah, you can – the website, scyfa20.com, get that information. Follow us on Facebook, um, scyfa. All the information is there as well. Um, and, and everybody can reach out to me any questions that you ever have. And it's definitely not too late. Still get these kids out. Still get them signed up in different programs. Uh, the more the merrier. The more kids we can have, the better. I guess the biggest thing, make sure when you do bring your kids out, A, make sure that they have their water bottle prepared. Uh, make sure that they are ready to go to work. And uh, they definitely should be hydrated before they get to you uh, or to those coaches, at least, there on the field. Right, Jeff? Correct. Um, definitely have their own water bottles. Um Please, I know old school coaches was sharing the water. Please don't do that. <laughs> Own water bottles or bottled waters for the individual kids, whichever one is more feasible for them. Um, but just their own. Don't want it sharing with anyone. Um, try to still keep them spaced out as much as possible. Still take the safety precautions and measures. But again, COVID-19 is real. It's still here. Um, so don't want anything occurring any one of these kids that are willing to participate out here. You got it, buddy. As always, Jay, God bless you, your family. We look forward to it. I know Simon enjoys that plug about, hey, if you're not going to go to Woodland, I mean, we want you at Woodland, but we'll put you where you need to go. So <laughs> that was a good one, man. I like it. I love it. And, uh, man, anything we can do, let us know, Jay. As always, man, appreciate you stopping by on a Thursday afternoon, my friend. All right, Richie. Pleasure was mine, man. I'll get with you. You got about, a big uh, one. Uh, Pastor Miles and um, well, next Thursday, six thirty, I'll be on. There you go. All right, guys. Hey, happy Father's Day to you, big guy. Enjoy it, man. You earned it. Thank you. All right, guys. Let's do this. We're gonna head to a quick break. We come back. We're going to West Ashland. Oh, that's over there in Charleston, South Carolina. The Live Five News and uh, Eugene, get ready, buddy, because you decided to go on social media and be funny. And we'll get that funny out of the way. Coming up, we'll have the man over at Live 5 News. CBS Sports is on. Well, that's it to Kevin Bilodeau. We'll be right back, guys.
Welcome back, everybody. Hour one. Look at that. Just like that. We got one in the books, two on the way. And, of course, I uh, want to thank Jay Williams all the way from the South Carolina Youth Football Association. Uh, he does an incredible job with the youth program. He is the commissioner and uh, delivered some sad news. Of course, uh, one of their own uh, individuals, a guy who has been a huge contributor and, and I, I would say an iconic figure in the program over there. Uh, Pastor Charles Miles has passed away. Uh, again, he made sure that he said it had nothing to do with COVID, which I, I think a lot of people try to tie uh, some things to that, but that, that's not the case here. Uh, but the good Lord needed him above, and uh, he's going to go upstairs for a bigger assignment. But I thought some prayers are with them and the entire uh, South Carolina Youth Football Association and the entire community uh, up there. I believe it was in Holly Hill. Now, we go back to the hotlines, and it's time to check in quickly uh, with a pretty good-looking guy over there at Live 5 News, CBS Sports' own Kevin Kevin, what's the word, man? What an introduction, man. I'll take it. How you guys doing? <laughs> We're good. Yeah, you know Eugene was behind that photo shoot. I was like, when did he take like a glamour shot? That's cute. I like that. I got to get me one. <laughs> Somebody made that here at the station probably like five years ago, and and that's so. Good. I've just I've kept that as my Twitter picture ever since. I'm not I'm not changing that. <laughs> No, it's golden, man. Even Andy Pruitt loved it. I would imagine wherever Andy was sitting in, and I don't know what Charleston County people are doing right now, but he probably busted out whatever he was drinking out of his mouth. Eugene gets pretty creative, and uh, I guess we got to have kind of like a fair off or something. I, I don't know. We'll figure it out in Somerville. Uh, of course, uh, what's up with you, man? How's the family? I know you guys have been pretty busy, and we're getting back to uh, at least moving. I don't want to say the new normal, but, but moving is kind of an uncommon thing these days. Yeah, everyone's doing good. You know, I, I actually made it back to the station this week for the first time since since middle of March. So, you know, wow. I'm, I'm not working from home for the first time. So that's it's been something a little bit different. But, it, you know, it's good to kind of get back into the swing of things. And, you know, slowly but surely, like we've been saying, things are starting to pick back up. You know, here in the state, we've got the RBC Heritage kicking off today. And round one just finished a couple of minutes ago. So it's starting to feel a little more normal. And then, you, you know, we see – a record number of cases in the state today, and that kind of knocks you back down. Yeah, no doubt it's alive with the, the man, the myth, the legend, and uh, the best-looking guy they say on TV. Now, there's another guy that may give us some grief on that one a little bit later, but uh, Kevin Billy joins us from Live 5 News, of course, the CBS connection to the show here. We'd love to have him a part of what we do. And uh, you mentioned everything kind of opened up. High school. High school has opened up. Dorchester County started Monday, Wednesday, and Friday practices, uh, and it's kind of different. Have you had a chance to make it out to any of these practices? And what are you hearing from these coaches, not just in Dorchester County, but, of course, Charleston and Berkeley started their party last Monday? Yeah, I haven't made it to Dorchester yet. I know uh, Charleston County is going to kick off on Monday. Uh, Berkeley County kicked off last Monday. And, of course, the Skiza schools uh, kicked off earlier this month. But – you know, we, we've been to a couple of schools and, you know, it's same thing, kind of slowly but surely. Everyone kind of trying to figure out what they can do at this point. And, you know, right now nobody's even allowed to, to throw a football around, really. So everyone's just kind of working on the conditioning, working on the strength a little bit, the pliability, and, you know, just kind of getting back into the swing of things after three months of, of sitting at home and playing video games, if they're anything like what I did. Right. Right. Now, you guys actually had to quit covering uh, water polo and marble racing and uh, any other crazy sport. Is it weird? I mean, to me, this was the perfect time to fire somebody. I mean, it, what would have happened oh, if yeah. you go back to the studio and, and your, your key doesn't work? And you're like, it doesn't work. And the guy's like, 
I don't have a heart to tell him. I, I, just, I don't have a heart to tell him. <laughs> I mean, how crazy would that have been? I mean, that's that's my nightmare, like, at least twice a week, <laughs> that I show up to work and my key card just doesn't work. So, so it would have been nothing new if it happens then. Of course, the problem would be if I was still at home, I still would have had I still would have had all the equipment in my house, and they would have had to come get it. So that would have been an issue. Yeah, because their key doesn't work at your house either. Yeah, exactly. And I ain't letting them in if they ain't paying me. Yeah, hey, what's good for the goose is good for the gander, man. Uh, let's talk college football. <laughs> These guys are starting to show up back on campus, uh, and you're seeing some campuses showing some some signs. I can tell you a report out of Tennessee where they started bringing back some basketball guys. Uh, in Knoxville. Now, the football team, 100% clean. They were good to go. They started doing their thing. They, this past week, brought in other sports. Basketball was one of them. And my the word I got in, in a pretty credible source on the campus is that one basketball player had it, and then they turned around that individual and the two individuals directly behind him, along with his roommate that all of a sudden was sent home. Uh, you, you think that's going to be kind of a pattern as they start to open up, bringing other athletes? Because I get it. They're trying to, I, I guess, control where these kids are at and that's the best way to do it yeah I think definitely early on you know as kids start going back to these campuses that's going to be the way they do it and if you know if they have any sign that anyone has this you take him and you put him you know quarantined away and anyone he's had contact with that you can get away you know you want to try to to minimize this as much as you can over the course of these first couple of weeks and a couple of months so that Hopefully it doesn't get in the way of, of starting high school or starting college football season because, you know, all these schools seem like they're gung-ho and ready to go. And, you know, from the way they're all acting right now, it doesn't seem like anything's going to gonna get in their way of having this season. So hopefully, you know, if they can get this thing contained enough, then they can get out there and, and start playing, you know, hopefully by August, you know, have, be, be ready to have full practices at that time. We're live with Kevin Billadou, Live 5 Sports' very own, of course, our contributor. He hangs out over there with the CBS Sports family and does a phenomenal job on the air. Looking forward to getting back in the stadiums with him, hopefully here around Friday night light time. That being said, let me ask you, I've seen some pictures, and I'm not sure how true it is just because it's on the Internet, but do you think these guys definitely in the NFL go to a different helmet? I saw one that looked like a BMX bike helmet. Do you think they kind of go to that extreme to make sure that we have the sport? They're, they're going to do whatever they have to do to make sure they play games. I, you know, I, I saw the BMX helmet one. And I, I read an article that they were talking about a full kind of face mask cover so that instead of the one that, you know, that the quarter, some quarterbacks wear, you know, the, the little, not visor, but, you know, the clear thing over their eyes, they're going to have a clear thing that goes over the entire face mask so that nothing can get out. And, you know, if that's if that's what they've got to do, then they're definitely going to do it. Because I'll tell you right now, those guys are not missing games unless something catastrophic happens. Because there is way too much money on the line for them. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, they're seeing baseball right now getting into. I don't want to say uh, 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 you're right, I'm wrong, you're wrong, I'm right match, but that's kind of what it's known as I'll say uh, it. in, in, in the, a pissing match. <laughs> Yeah, because you know, that's what it is, right? I mean, talk to me quickly. I don't have you for long. I think five minutes less uh, is what I got. We got a few more minutes. I got time. All right, we'll look at you being nice. I like it. See what happens when we're nice <laughs> to you on social media. Uh, well, I'll, so I'll, I'll tell you right now, ba- baseball. baseball yeah. yeah, baseball is the most ridiculous thing because these guys had the chance. It was li- the red carpet was rolled out for baseball to come back and be the heroes of this entire summer. They could have been back playing games by now in empty stadiums 
and dominating TV ratings, dominating just the public discourse, just people talk would be talking about baseball right now. And because they, right. the owners want to get into this, like you said, this pissing match and the players don't want to give in any either. And I understand from their point of view, but they have just dropped the ball. And now, you know, they've let NASCAR come back. They've let golf come back. It looks like basketball is going to come back before they do. Hockey might even come back before they do. They have dropped the ball. I don't know if, if baseball is going to be able to recover, you know, there, there's always going to be the diehard fans that are going to go back and watch, you know, no matter what, but they had a golden opportunity right here to really grow this sport for the next generation. And they let it slip through their fingers just because they're they're The owners are being greedy. Yeah, Kevin, because it's the one sport that is probably the most other than NASCAR. NASCAR's pretty tough. Well, not really though, because the guys in the pits are pretty close together, but baseball is a very, right. Uh, social distance sport. You really don't need fans in the stands, kind of like NASCAR. They can do what yeah, they need to do absolutely. with sponsorship and TV sponsor, right? I mean, I, and just this is where I get very upset with the professional sports and what you and I cover on a regular basis because this was a golden opportunity. It's not like baseball had, and I hate to use the golf uh, analogy here, but they don't have many more mulligans left to save a program that, quite frankly, is, is maybe not in the tank, but it's definitely not as enjoyable to watch because – there are no, no Mark McGuire's. There are no Sammy Sosa's. You don't see the Nolan Ryan's and, and all those guys who you grew up. And, of course, you can go back to the Babe Ruth and the Lou Gehrig's and stuff as well. It, it's just a different game, and it's not going to me. It, 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 how can it survive with another six months of no baseball? I mean, there's no revenue going into those stadiums, not to mention the minor league programs are just done. I mean, I would imagine yeah. we're going to lose some of those programs as well. Yeah, and – you know, they've been doing – baseball in itself has been doing a poor job the last few years as far as building stars. And, you know, just it seems like every way they could drop the ball to, to get this game ready for the next generation, they haven't done. They're, they're not very accessible on social media, you know, as far as, you know, people putting up highlights on their Twitter feeds and Facebook pages. They get, they get taken down really quickly. So that that's hurts them. And like, like I said, building new stars, you know – the average person probably can't name 10 baseball players right now. And, you know, we talk about the strike back in 94 and how tough that was. And, you know, we all, we always remember, you know, Cal Ripken was a big part of, of bringing baseball back because he broke Lou Gehrig's record. And then everyone remembers the, the summer of 98 and, and McGuire and Sosa and their home run chase. Now that helped. And I just don't know what's going to help bring baseball back to the forefront. If these guys keep dropping the ball like this and, and, you know, just, tripping themselves up over, over, over their own shoelaces to, to knock it back and play. No doubt about it. We're live with Kevin Bill to do live five sports is very own course uh, with the CBS sports team. And of course, right here on Southern sports central talking about sports around the world golf. Here we go. We're rolling NASCAR, the first of many, man. I don't think, have we talked about that yet about how big NASCAR did make that transition? And now not only did they take that opportunity to be the first sport out and about, but they're also making the other move by not allowing the Confederate flag to be on the ground at NASCAR. And it seems like automatically they have continued to grow uh, leaps and bounds, probably the most they've grown since you've seen the Dale Earnhardt Jr. crew come through back in the early 90s. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, you, you talk about how badly baseball has messed up over, the, over these past couple of months. It feels like NASCAR has done everything right over these past couple of months. You know, starting off with the e-racing, that a lot of people got into and, you know, getting a chance just to see something when there was nothing else on TV, getting to see guys 
race over the video game was, was something cool. And then having the first races back, and especially for us here in Darlington, having it right in our backyard, that was a huge deal. I don't think I, I know for a fact, I haven't watched this much NASCAR since probably back in, you know, Oh three, Oh four. When, like I said, when Dale jr. Was, was really humming along at, at the peak of his powers. So, and they've done everything right. And then you, you mentioned the, the taking away of the Confederate flag and, you know, that opens up, that gave them so much good publicity and it opened them up to so many good things. You know, uh, Saints running back Alvin Kamara uh, went to his first race down in Miami over this past weekend. NASCAR has just hit a home run uh, these past couple of weeks as far as getting the good publicity and hopefully, you know, sustaining something and building something that will sustain over the next couple of, of years for them. Yeah, they continue to do the right thing. And it's funny, we're using analogies on other sports for other sports, but it's reality, man. And NASCAR <laughs> needed that, that, they needed that extra pump, man, and they got that and some. Of course, Dale Earnhardt Jr. making it into the Hall of Fame in this class. Uh, very young to get into the Hall of Fame. I mean, we waited for many of the great ones to get in a lot later. Uh, you guys, have you guys thought about it? Have you looked at it? And your thoughts on this new class for the NASCAR 2020, led by the great now, of course, Dale Earnhardt Jr. doing his thing off the, or of course, off the, uh, off the circuit, but on the, on the TV screen. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it makes sense because, you know, that's, that's another thing. It, it brings more attention to the sport. You know, the guy was voted the most popular driver in the sport for 15 years in a row. So if, if his name goes up for the hall of fame, that's going to make people pay attention again. So it's another thing the sport did that's bringing them attention right now, which is an, another great move for them. And, you know, the, I really think the sport has been synonymous with Dale Jr., since his father died, he, he did such a great job of being one of the guys along with Jimmy Johnson and Jeff Gordon to really put the sport on their back after Dale Earnhardt died and, and really mm-hmm. carrying it into this new century. And really the, the sport was at the height of their popularity in the mid to late 2000s. So they did a great job of, of, of pushing this sport along and, and hopefully putting it in a place where it's going to go for quite a, you know, quite a long time now. Live right now, Kevin Billadu. Going to keep him just a little bit longer. We don't want to be greedy over here, but we are going to talk to him. Of course, he comes to us from Live 5 Sports, part of the CBS Sports team. Uh, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. Now, you're a Tom Brady. You were a Tom Brady fan. Are you still a Tom Brady fan? You can answer that in a minute. But, of course, being a Patriots fan, <laughs> at one point you pulled for Tom. Him and Peyton Manning, they, I thought, were not only entertaining, but they did it for the right reasons. I mean, they really worked together. And it's good to see the NFL – and the PGA or the golf community working together, see more of that kind of stuff. And how big a play was that for the NFL and the PGA, or at least the officials over there with the golfing community to work together and to bring something. I think that was kind of the first reality program. And we had other than I think NASCAR at the time. Yeah, I think that was a great move on, on both their parts. And I know uh, Phil Mickelson has said he wants to see more of that. I think they were talking about maybe for the next one, they play with Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson. And, you know, yeah. that would do huge wonders for, for both sports, I think. So if they can get something like that going on, that, that would be just a huge plus for golf. Big help for the NFL as well. Not that they need help. Those guys, you know, <laughs> they're on top of everything as it is. But, you know, to, to get those guys out there more and introduce them to maybe a new audience, that can never hurt. Yeah, I like the fact that they're doing this. And I think that COVID-19, on top of what we're seeing with our country separated, what else, and I said this with, with many people, uh, you know, in our community, the one thing that's brought everybody together in, in, in all of our times, be it there be an earthquake in San Francisco or up in L.A. or California, or there be the Boston uh, where they had that situation with the Boston Marathon, 
What is it about yeah. sports that brings us all back together? And here we go, getting it back together. And you're starting to see it slowly but surely, but uh, it, it is what it is. Kev, what are you guys working on tonight? And uh, kind of what's some of the stories as we get into this Father's Day weekend, uh, not only here in Charleston, but maybe you got some stuff around the state of South Carolina as well. Yeah, well, like I said, the big thing right now is the RBC Heritage over at Hilton Head. Uh, round one just wrapped up right before I came on the air. Uh, two-way tie for the lead atop the leaderboard after round one. Uh, Ian Poulter shot a seven under, and I'm bringing up the leaderboard right now because he is tied at seven under along with Mark Hubbard. And the slew of guys are just a shot back. Webb Simpson is right there, guy who knows the low country pretty well. Uh, Matthew Neesmith, who's a former South Carolina golfer, he's just two shots back tomorrow's second round. So that's a big deal. Of course, we're going to be following that. And, and of course, don't forget, we've got a big tennis tournament coming up here in the low country next week. It's going to be the first event back for, for the professional women's tennis to, uh, tour. So they're playing a, an exhibition tournament over on Daniel Island. It's going to be 16 uh, women's tennis players, including Madison Keys, who won the tournament over on Daniel Island last year. So that's a good little way for, for them to get rolling back again. We talked to Madison Keys today over Zoom, and she is so excited to be coming back to Charleston next week. So we're going to hear from her and Bethany Maddox-Sands, who they're going to serve as the two captains for that tournament next week. So like I said, slowly but surely, we are, we are getting back into the way things go. And, you know, if we can just get to August and, and get going with football, we're going to be all right, I think. No doubt. Kevin, final question before I get you back to your other job that you got to do. And, of course, uh, do it well. And uh, that, of course, over at Live 5 Sports. Uh, Kevin, any 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 chance that, that we get some sports? I know the battery is looking to get their thing back up and running. But I guess the River Dogs, that season's a wash. I mean, we probably won't see the lights on the Joe this year uh, and, until there's at least an event. Yeah, well, the battery, they're set to come back July 11th. That was what the USL announced a couple of weeks ago. So they have a date. They are back practicing right now. So it looks like we are going to get USL championship soccer. As far as minor league baseball, that's really up in the air right now. I know I've talked to Dave Eccles a couple of times since, since the pandemic started. He said, you know, if they can only play four games this year, they'll do that. You know, all they want is someone to play games against right now. So he, he would love to be able to get anyone in the Joe – I don't know if that's going to happen, you know, just because of the way the baseball labor stuff is going right now. Even if they decide right now, you know, when they're, if, if they're going to start some point in July, I just don't think that's enough time for them to work out the minor league teams and who's going to go where. And, you know, they're still talking about which teams they're going to cut around the country. It looks like they're going to be, you know, folding uh, maybe something around 40 teams right now. So mm-hmm. I really don't know if they're going to play River Dogs baseball this year. My gut says no. I hope I'm wrong. You know, I, I love going to the Joe. I'd love to see those guys and, you know, just see them get something in. But really doesn't look like we're going to be able to have baseball this year. But we are going to have soccer. So we, we got something. Something's in the tank. Hey. We like that. We'll take that. They will become new soccer fans, by the way, because we are tired sitting at home and we're tired of doing what we've been doing. Uh, Kevin, <laughs> as always, man, appreciate the love, appreciate the opportunity. And let's you and I catch up. I know you're uh, you're close to me up in Somerville, man. So, and you get some downtime, and you've had a lot of it, but uh, hopefully we can catch up uh, and go grab something to eat, buddy. Sounds good, bud. Appreciate you. Talk to you soon, All buddy. right, guys, there you go. Kevin Villadu, one of the best in the biz. Of course, he's over there at Live 5 News doing it for the sports team. He also represents CBS Sports. Uh, you know, uh, Eugene, I'm going to bring you in for a couple minutes. Uh, we're going to hang tight until about 726, but he brought in – a lot of great things, and he talks about the battery. Of course, you guys who are in the low country, the battery is our, our, our minor league soccer program here. And here's what's going to happen. 
here's what's going to happen. People are tired of sitting in their house, Eugene. People are tired of, of watching 30 for 30s and doing the, the things they've been doing for three or four months. So you've never liked soccer, but I bet you you might like soccer today. You might not like NASCAR, but I bet you've been watching a little bit of NASCAR, huh? Yeah, exactly. And we talked about when the first uh, race happened at Darlington, and I, I got on the show, and I was asking informative questions or what I thought, you know, to uh, <laughs> our, our great friend, the driver, who came on there. I was like, I don't understand, because I thought 500 horsepower is a lot. And he goes, nah, man, that, that, that's not our big thing. Our, you know, our, our, big, our big engines are 750. And, you know, we talked about the spoiler, the lift, uh, you know, how far the car is off the ground, and this, that, and the other. And so it, from an engineering standpoint, I was like, oh, now it's cool to me. Because before, I kind of looked at it honestly, and I'll be honest with you, uh, I looked at it as like, it's not an athlete, it's a machine. You're steering it. Um, and I, but I know that's hard. I know that's an acquired skill. Not everyone can do it and make millions and millions of dollars. I totally get that. But it seemed like the machine was the run, one doing the 500 laps, was the one running 100 and, or 212 miles an hour. Um, so I've kind right. of gotten a little bit of an appreciation for, you know, like you said, the engineering behind it, how the driver's got to know everything, similar to a pilot. I mean, you jump in your car, you turn on the key, you put it in park, do you really know your compression rate? Do you really feel which cylinder heads are hitting on left or right? Do you really know if it's pulling? Why? Do you really understand whether your air intake is clogged, whether there's a stripe or a sticker from the car you just rubbed in front of you is now, you know, impeding your air intake and therefore your oxygen level is getting lower? No, but these guys do. And so I get a little bit of respect for those guys. I kind of gained some little bit of knowledge, and maybe that's what it was. You know, like you said, right. being the first sport out of the gate, it, it appeared to, you know, the upper folks or at, uh, NASCAR that they picked up a few fans. So, I mean, I haven't, you know, I, I, I don't plan my schedule around watching NASCAR. But like I said, if it's on, if it's the only sport on, I might tune in because, you know, we also have that connection with the driver. And I think that helps right. if you know somebody, if you know that guy. Yeah. You support him, you support his team. You know, he told us the ins and outs and how, you know, everything wasn't grits and glamour and everything else for, for him growing up and look where he is now, you know, and he was like, you know, it was a very hard track. We did well. I think he finished in 12th or something like that. Had no major damage to his car. He's like, it's a good day, man. Everybody gets a paycheck. Everybody gets to go home and uh, no damage to the car. So, you know, for someone like me who has never been a fan and uh, like that, like, you know, I told him, I said, I used to build model cars of certain cars that I like. But, uh, you know, right. the Hooters car, the Tide car, the Bud car. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, it, it brings people in. I'm sure when basketball starts back up in Orlando, I mean, it's it's not that great of a thing. And you won't have people like in the city of, of Boston, you know, running to, to the Garden or, or New York or things like that. However, you know, if it's the biggest show in town or the, well, I should say the only show in town, you're going to have butts in front of the television. Everybody knows that. Sure. Everybody knows it's like right. you're going to hit social media, you know, ESPN, whatever. You're going to want to tune in because it's the only show in town. And you're like, we've seen, like you said, 30 for 30. You and I, one of the very first shows we had, we talked about a marble tournament. We talked about a skip and rock tournament. You remember those days back in March? And, uh, oh, yeah. Now we actually, so now we, we have the superstars on the cereal boxes and the shoes back actually doing their craft. And so I really think, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. I think 
sports are going to draw on fans because you don't have to go to an arena. You can stay home, stay safe, and still watch the sport, still feel like you're part right. of it. And I really think it's going to bring people back into a lot of sports. Who, I mean, honestly, with the NBA, uh, with your and my age, our biggest, you know, when we were in high school was Jordan, you know. And, yep. the, you know, the kids who were in high school, early college, their person is LeBron. And so they're tuned in. You and I were like, Jordan, right. Jordan, Jordan. Did he score 50? Did he dunk from the free throw line? How many threes did he have? So I think it, but I think everybody's going to get back in because it is a live right. action sport and somebody's going to win, somebody's going to lose, and we don't know the outcome. I mean, I'm, I'm flipping right. through, and there was a LSU-Ohio State Fiesta Bowl from 1996, and I'm going, as much as I love the Tigers, <laughs> I just can't watch this. <laughs> I tell you, I love it, man. And you know, here's the thing for me, Eugene, is that this gives them a chance to rebrand what they do. Kevin kind of talked about it. Baseball, you had a chance. You're saying you got a chance and you struck out because you're greedy, because you have shown firsthand of what it's about. You get paid billions of dollars. You make millions of dollars. It's okay not what you normally make because you're still going to make half of that, which is a hell of a lot more than anybody that I've ever talked. Well, not really. I've talked to some, some guys that make some checks, but they ain't not giving me any of their checks. I promise you that. But that being said, you know, it, it, it's, it's a shame. You should have did what you needed to do to meet in the middle and then fix it later. But you had a chance to do it the right way. You had a chance to bring back and be the second sport because here we go, NASCAR, golf, all right, NBA. As long as they get everything in order there in Orlando and the worldwide of sports over there, Mickey Mouse is about to go to the bank. And I'm going to tell you, you forgot about Kobe Bryant because Kobe Bryant graduated in around 1995. I graduated in 1997. He was in the league ready to roll by the time I got to college. So he was doing his thing, just wasn't quite as big a thing, but he was still doing it. And I think that's what's going to happen. I think you're going to see a lot of these athletes, they got a chance to kind of reinvent themselves. Some of the guys that might have struggled, some of the guys that might not have had that career, they've been working out. They've been doing their things. These guys have million-dollar gyms in their houses. And trust me, they have a chance to come back and take advantage of it. How often do you get that chance? But we do want to say thank you very much to Kevin Billadu's time. I know he's a busy man with the uh, golf tournament uh, kicking up down there at Hilton Head. We'll uh, get a recap of that one next week with him. And uh, it's just good to see. And it's good to see people out and about doing some great things. Coming up at 730, we're going to head to Strong Thurman High School with the DBU coach over there. And uh, his name's Champ. So he's got to be good, right? Champ Merriweather's going to join us all the way from the uh, Capitol a few minutes. So we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll get him in here. And we'll do a few more things, guys. You're listening to the greatest show on the earth right here on Blog Talk Radio. It's Southern Sports Central. Don't go anywhere. With a little love and some tenderness, we'll walk upon the water, we'll rise above the mist. With a little peace and some harmony, we'll take the world together, we'll take them by the Come on, touch your hair. 
welcome back, everybody. It's now time to head back to the hotlines, and we're going to head to a city we haven't been there yet, nor we had an opportunity to show some love to this high school course at Charlotte Thurman High School. We're heading to Johnston, South Carolina, with the one and only Champ Merriweather. He's part of that huge DBU coaching staff around the great state of South Carolina. What's up, Mr. Champ? Coach Champ, what's new? Hey, how you doing, man? I appreciate y'all having me. I appreciate you, bud. I appreciate you taking time out of that busy schedule, man. I know you guys uh, you are trying to get it back to the new thing and doing some things. And uh, word on the street, you got some connection to Benedict College. I figured I'd throw in some horns for you to bring you in, man. That's uh, that's some of the great uh, – that's that HBCU band that you can't touch anywhere else around. I can tell you that. Yes, sir. So uh, let's introduce you to the uh, to the listeners, man. Uh, what got you into coaching? Where'd you grow up? What did you? Uh, what kind of? Where'd you go to college and all that fun stuff? Kind of check in with us if you don't mind. Oh uh, yes, sir. I'm actually from Johnston. Uh, I played ball at Strong Thurman High School. Uh, I went to Benedict College, graduated from there. Uh, what just got me into coaching, man? You know, when you do something for so long, I mean, you never lose. You know, losing inside of you. So the game just never left me. So I wanted to be able to just. Whatever I knew about the game, I want to be able to pass it on to the younger guys. We're live right now in Johnston, South Carolina. Of course, on the campus or virtually on the campus of uh, Sean Thurman High School down there, of course, doing some great things. Uh, Coach, uh, we continue to see you put ballers out, man. It's year after year, day after day, and it's always your way uh, that you do what you do with the defensive backs, man. That's a that's an art, right? To be a defensive back, it's not just a position. To me, it, you're almost becoming an artist. You have to understand how to read not only the receiver, you're watching the quarterback, you're watching the guy on the other side. You're having to play many roles. Uh, what is it about? And, again, I've, I've, I've seen some film from you. I've heard a lot of things about you, definitely at Benedict as well. What is it that you do that's so special over there that continues to put guys in the next level? Uh, Coach, I think the main thing is, man, we just we, – we focus on preparation big time. Uh, we just try to make sure that our guys are going about everything the right way. And this is all about discipline, man. Uh, I tell my guys all the time, you know, you're playing the hardest position to me that's in the game. So, if something goes wrong, you last line of defense, they look at you. When it goes right, you last line of defense, they still look at you. So, it's just about <laughs> taking pride in it and just understanding that pressure comes with the uh, position. And you just got to take it a play at a time, man. Just be a dog. I love it. Being a dog is what they do at DBU. Of course, uh, well, at least the high school level, their strong Thurman is uh, the coach of the defensive backs is in here with us. Champ Merriweather joins us here on Southern Sports Central, the first of many. Coach, I'd love to get your, uh, your, your opportunity to get you down here in the low country. There's a handful of young men that, you know, they're good. But I think they can get better. I mean, we all can get better, right? But I love the opportunity to have you come down here and, and work with these young guys because you see it all the time. Quarterback camps, wide receiver camps. Even now, Jarrell King, who plays for the Gamecocks, he grew up down here in North Charleston. He's doing his thing. But DB, you just don't see those camps as much. But they're as needed as any, right? I mean, it, it's a very important role. You can do some great things, but without a good secondary man, because you're going to give up a bunch if they don't play their position right. Yes, sir, man. It's uh, it's a position that, you know, talent will only take you so far. I mean, I see a lot of guys that's very athletic, but, you know, if you don't have discipline in what you're doing, you know, you're going to struggle at it. And, you know, again, when you got eight, ten thousand 10,000 people looking at you, it's really hard when you get beat on the play, man. You talking about coming back and, you know, being a dog and just forgetting, you know, flushing it and just coming back playing strong. So a lot of things, man, with a lot of young guys, you know, they, they see a lot of great players do it. 
but they don't understand how much they work on their craft. And it's so important, man. Every single player at DB, your technique has to be perfect. If it's not, you know, all it takes is one twitch thrown off. You're not, you, your eyes get caught in the backfield. You know, you stop your feet on the backfield, and it's six. So you got to be make sure that you be 100% locked in on every single play. And uh, that's the main thing I focus on with my guys, just understanding that, you know, to me, Deion Sanders is the best all time. And he got beat too, but the best thing about him was he always came back for more. So I try to teach my guys to understand once you get beat, you know, be a dog, let it go, and come back and tell that guy he can't beat you again. We're live right now with a defensive back coach at Strong Thurman High School over there in Johnston, South Carolina. Coach Champ Merriweather joins us here on the Pimp Farm Hotlines on a Thursday afternoon. You know, Coach, uh, is it as easy? And I know it's not, but I want to get your, your side of this thing. We, we hear it all the time is that you got to watch the eyes of the receiver. It's almost like a cat. If a cat's eyes get big, that means something's coming. Well, what's kind of your, your coaching mentality when it comes to teaching the cornerback, the defensive back guys, when do they actually turn around? When is that perfect time to actually bat it down and uh, keep it from the receiver's hands? Oh, the main thing is, man, you just got to understand, um, I always thought that a quarterback will lie to you 100% of the time. The receiver ain't going to never lie to you. So if I'm reading him, he's going to tell me whether or not it's run or pass. So it starts with that. Because if it's, either he's going to jog off the ball with his run, or he's going to come off the ball three hard steps and then start setting his feet up to block you. Um, but once you get that pass, man, they still going to tell you what's coming. Uh, the quarterback, he's taught to look you off. So if you follow his eyes, then you probably put yourself in a bad spot. So it's just all about, again, man, it's just technique. It's just doing what you're supposed to do. Um, so I harp really hard on that, man. Practice game situations, just constantly doing exactly what you're supposed to do every single time. You can't miss steps at DB. You know, if you do that, all it takes is one opportunity, you know, and that guy's, you know, the band striking. So it's really important that you just be disciplined, and, you know, continue to work on your craft and just trust what that receiver is giving you. He ain't lying to you. I love it. We're live right now with the defensive back coach over at Strong Thurman High School over in Johnston, South Carolina. Coach Champ Merriweather joins us right now. Coach, what's one of the things that frustrates you the most, something that you've noticed the last three or four years, maybe this, this generation? Uh, what is the biggest, I would say, hurdle that you've had in the last three or four years as a defensive back coach? Um, I think the biggest thing, man, is just young guys understanding that, you know, the guys that have done it before you or the guys that you see on TV, they don't understand the process that they went through to get to where they are. You know, they didn't just wake up at, you know, out their bed at night and think that they became the best DB, you know, in the country. You know, I love uh, me. I'm a big fan of uh, Patrick Sertan Jr. Um, and all the LSU defensive backs. But you watch those guys, man, at the college level, but those guys had the same type of discipline when they were in high school. You know what I mean? But they put, they work on their craft consistently. And the biggest thing for me is just having guys that, you know, you can't think you know everything. As a coach, I don't either. I look up, up to a lot of people, and I get a lot of information from guys, you know, because you always got to work on your craft. So if your coach going to work on your craft, why do you think as a player you can't work on your own? So that's really important, man. You just you can't be a know-it-all kid, but you just got to understand that, you know, it's not going to be gay to you. You know, every player out there, is trying to make it to the NFL, make it to college, and all of them have stories to tell, you know. So what's going to make you different? And what makes you different is grinding harder than that next person. 
Now, of course, uh, you played your high school days there, and I think that's probably one of the greatest testimonies that you can tell these young men. Look, not only have I played your position, I played the same position. And do you ever kind of look at the guy that may have your same number on every day and say, look, do you even know what that number means? Do you have an idea of what testimony comes with every jersey that's on this field? How much do you dive into the fact that you literally played, sweated, bled, and, and went through hell to get to Benedict College before you even walked on that field? Uh, day in and day out. How much do you use that to these young men? Oh, what I just tell my young guys is, man, you know, sometimes I joke with them about it, you know, but the biggest thing for me, you know, I have a lot of coaches, like all head coaches, Coach Antoine Hillary. Um, I grew up watching him. So I still look at him, you know, as a coach beside me, but, you know, that's like, you know, a mentor to him, but it's also I'm a fan of his because I watched him do it. So, to me, it's not all about me. I always tell myself, you know, it's not about what I know, but it's about what I can prove to my players. So a lot of them guys, have, they heard about me, you know, but I try not to dwell too much on what I did because what I did on the playing field, it really don't really matter now because if I'm not teaching them right, then, you know, I'm not doing my job. So I'm just like I more speak on the guys that played with me or the guys that played before me and just getting them guys to understand the history that goes on with Strong Thurman. You know, it's, it's a lot of history, man. We have a lot of winning seasons, you know, from 60s, 70s all the way up to now, you know, and we're blessed to be able to be in a position that we are to uh, continue to win the way that we are. No doubt about it. Coming to us live from Johnson, South Carolina, the defensive back coach at Strong Thurman. Champ Merriweather joins us. Of course, he played his high school days right on that same field, but his college days led him, of course, to Benedict College. We've had some Benedict players on the show uh, what about Benedict College? Why why did you choose Benedict in your days when you had the choice? Of course, I know you had multiple opportunities, but what made Benedict be that university, that college that you wanted to not only further your, your career in sports, but to get that education that you went and got? Um, man, it's just opportunities, man. Sometimes, you know, I try to teach a kid, man, you know, I wasn't fortunate enough out of school, you know, to receive scholarships. So, I just tell kids that, you know, you just got to understand, man, as a player, just because you don't receive that scholarship, you know, the world don't end. You know, one thing growing up, man, I really didn't – I did a lot of pushing on my own because I kind of didn't have, you know, the mentor to be able to tell me, like, hey, look, you ain't got a scholarship, but it don't end here. You know, so I'm real harping on with these guys, letting them know, like, bro, it's so many guys that's out there that don't have scholarships but still can go on to have success, you know. And I just think with me choosing Benedict, it just gave me an opportunity, man, you know, and it was close to home. And I had some good things about the school. And, you know, I'm thankful and blessed to be able to say that I'm alumni there. And, you know, I went there. And um, I'm just really excited about that new coaching style that we got there. I think they're going to do some big things. And, you know, it's a lot of local talent in that area, you know, they've been getting away from Benedict. So I think that, you know, if those guys can stay there and uh, make sure they keep some of them local talent there, I can see that that program be turned around within the next two or three years. No doubt about it, as we're live right now with one of those former players from Benedict College. Of course, he also played his high school days at Strong Thurman, the defensive back coach, giving back to the community and doing it in fashion over there. Of course, Champ 
Merriweather joins us here on Southern Sports Central Thursday evening show. Uh, what was the hardest transition for you from high school to college uh, when it came down to it? I know we all, you know, we went in. I, I was fortunate enough to play uh, college uh, sports at the next level as well. But, you know, for me, you walk in and there's everybody's a big deal. That's why you're there. Everybody's kind of at that level uh, of equalness uh, for the first time maybe in, in, in some of our careers uh, where everybody's great. Everybody's amazing. They're in all state and all this, that, and the other. But for you, what was your biggest thing that you had to kind of jump over as uh, you became a freshman and an athlete uh, at the next level? Um, from a school standpoint, I would say, man, just, you know, when when you're in high school and things like that, you know, you got your parents there whenever it's early in the morning and talking about, you know, hey, get up, you got to go to school. Well, you know, when you get to college, it's you and only you. And I tell my guys all the time, if you don't wake yourself up to go to class or go to practice, there's nobody else going to do it for you. So just by being up, you know, being able to grow up, you know, you take it take time, but you have to grow up real fast, uh, and being able to do that, just becoming a man, you know. And from an athletic standpoint, man, it's just like you realize fast, you know, when you step between those lines, it's a lot of players that's out here, man, they got the same story you do, and they athletes, you know, and they had the same high school career you do, you know, all all guys you see in college, they were high school stars, so you're not the only one, you know, and they might be coming from a different state. So just understanding that, you know, everybody in college is talented and everybody trying to got, got the same wish, you know, being able to, you know, go on to the next level or being successful, you know, because don't nobody want to stand on the sideline. So they're going to work just as hard as you do. So the talent level just increases by 10, you know. So I think that that's the biggest thing for young kids, just to understand that your work, man, like in this offseason, you know, guys that's getting ready to go to college, that it's not over yet. You know, yeah, you sign your scholarship, but just understand that man that's in front of you, he's pointing in work if you send that home. So yeah. that was the biggest thing for me. Yeah, I love it, Coach, because I, I, I fortunately was able to take my baseball career and go into the University of South Carolina and, and playing with, with everybody, like you mentioned. Everybody's got the story. Everybody's got their stars. Of course, back in my days, I'm 42, we didn't get to do the hat tricks, and the stars weren't really a big thing. It took forever to get the Internet dialed up anyways with dial-up, but – Nevertheless, they still came with stories. They still came with the same aspirations. And the guy behind you wanted your job. Even if you were the number two guy, that number three guy was trying to take a job from you. So not only are you trying to keep ahead of the guy in front of you, you got to watch out for the guy behind you. As uh, we're talking it up right now and uh, having some fun with Coach Chet Merriweather, the former Benedict football player. Of course, he played his high school days over there at Strom Thurmond. And uh, now here coming on Southern Sports Central. So you mentioned that uh, you like LSU. Now, there was a game that had a lot of trash talking. And, and, and let's be honest, DBs, you don't hear them because I did a play-by-play on ESPN for Somerville. Uh, you don't get to hear the chattering on the ground. But I never knew until I went to a 7-on-7 seven seven how much DBs, man. These guys are always jarring at that receiver. And even though if you jabs at the quarterback from time to time, what is it about that DB that, that kind of stands them out on, a, on an island, if you will, uh, of, uh, I guess he tries to go after the intimidating factor, but yet backs it up on the backside. Yes, sir, man. Uh, being on that island, you know, it's a different monster, man. I got to say, and I tell my guys, you know, you're either going to swim or you're going to drown, you know, and that's the truth. I mean, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some, but the idea is I want to win more than I lose, you know, but the best ones, Coach, they the ones that once they get beat, they want to line you back up and let's do it again. You know, you can't go in that corner, you can't go in the shell. So, being on that island, it, it, it takes something, man. You know, you got to be a different animal out there. But 
it's all about the swag, man. If you ain't got the swag, you can't play out there on the island. No, sir. You bring your feelings, and you'll definitely wear them well out there on that island. Deion Sanders was one that did not. Uh, when you look at that big game between Texas and LSU, man, it was like uh, they were getting after it. I believe, was it Ole Miss a few years ago? They had kind of the shark thing going on. Uh, what team other than LSU, because I do hear that LSU is one of your teams, but is, is there another team other than the Tigers that you look at and you kind of coin maybe or want to see that your DBs can kind of get into that same rhythm? Yes, sir. See, I'm, I'm really I'm – a, I'm a big-time Hurricane fan. Miami Hurricanes uh, – I just I love LSU as far as they DBs, man. But uh, I'm a, I'm a diehard Hurricane fan, and I do love the Gamecocks too. I do. Uh, so whenever I get a chance, and of course, man, I gotta go with Alabama too. I mean, you just watching them, the way coast like they coast up, man. It's just so much discipline. I just enjoy, you know, not so much as the touchdowns and all that. Just watching guys play defensively, man. Just being disciplined, you know, squeezing down blocks, you know, bouncing kickouts. Playing, you know, underneath they pass, uh, man to man, just you know, getting their head around to the ball. This is the discipline, man. So when I watch college football, you know, I try not to get caught up in, oh man, he made a wild catch. You know, I'm more looking at like if this guy's doing his job or not. You know, just watching the teams and the better teams that you watch in the country is discipline. That's what separates, right. you know, the Bamas, the, the Clemson, the LSU from the world because they guys. I mean, when four quarter comes, you know, tight games. They discipline show up, and that's important. Like, if you want to be great, you know, that separates good teams from great teams. To be the great teams, when the game gets tight, you know, you face adversity, you got to find a way, you know, to do what you're supposed to do. And those teams right there right. stand out to me, you know, as far as doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah, it's rare to see a team that doesn't have a solid secondary win a national championship. I mean, they say it wins in different lines and different trenches, but that backside on the secondary, uh, you know, is, is a huge factor. You mentioned uh, you're a Miami Hurricane fan. And, and any time I yes, hear sir. Miami Hurricanes, I, I think of a lot of guys, but one guy comes to mind, and, I, and I, I, I hated to see him being called home way too early with Sean Taylor. Of course, he played uh, free safety. Yes, he probably sir. could have played anywhere on that football field, man, but – you know, uh, where does he stand on one of your favorite players, man, uh, him being a hurricane but also being out there in the secondary? Oh, man. Sean Taylor was <laughs> – I mean, I've never seen a guy like that, man. To be that big and to be able to move the way that he did and to cover the ground that he can cover, I mean, it's just crazy. You know, I hate what happened to him, but, man, I can go back and just watch those clips all day, man. That That guy right there, he was special, man. He really was. He was special. No doubt. And I tell you, we don't see them like that as much as we used to. There's still some big names out there. Of course, colleges continue to put them in the league. But, uh, you know, there are those guys, those playmakers. You mentioned Deion Sanders, Florida State. You mentioned Sean Taylor, the Miami Hurricanes. We can keep going uh, with multiple guys around. I mean, you mentioned the Gamecocks. There's a guy named Stephon Gilmore. I mean, that kid's lights out, plain and simple. And to watch him and Alshon Jeffries go against each other, man, that, to me, was as much fun as anything when you see a guy like maybe even Sammy Watkins, a wide receiver, go against Gilmore, man. You know, who was that guy for you uh, that, that maybe college or you go in a, into high school that you just couldn't wait? You knew they were on the schedule, but you couldn't wait to go after them in the game to kind of see that maybe they were the best receiver, but you were the best secondary guy in the business. Oh, man. Honestly, um, probably I would say that one guy that really stood out to me was uh, Matt Hazel. Matt Hazel played at North Augusta High School. Um, he went to the Coast Carolina, played a few years in the NFL. Um, he's actually kidding to me, you know, the crazy thing about it. But just being able to go <laughs> against him, man, you know. Uh, but it's been a few guys, man. I can just remember 
uh, scrimmage against like CC Whitlock when he was at Chester. You know, guys like that, man. It's, it's I had some pretty good ones that I went against, man. And you know, one of the best thing about it is I just never looked at anybody different. You know, just going against whoever. You know, I always looked at whoever I went against as a you know ace receiver. You know, to be great, you have to do that because all it takes you overlook anybody. You know, you could possibly get beat. So, you know, I was just right. thankful, man, to be able to go against some great talent, you know, overall-wise, just some really good receivers, man. We had some good battles, you know, and just to see them guys actually go on to college, you know, some big colleges, you know, and just really succeed, you know, I was able to say, man, I played against that guy, man, you know, so that was an honor for me. No doubt about it. We're live with the defensive back coach over there, Strom Thurman. Coach Kent Merriweather played his days there at Strom Thurman, but also went on and played – uh, a little bit of that big game football at Benedict College. Uh, Coach, have you guys started working out yet? I know there's some part of the state of South Carolina that hasn't moved and some have just started moving. Where are you guys in the opening of the season here with the COVID-19 measurements? Yes, sir. We actually uh, started yesterday. So we started yesterday. Uh, we did went yesterday in the day. Uh, it's really it's, – it's a little tough, man. You know, it's a little different, you know, but the motivation is still the same, man, you know. Uh, Coach Hillary is big on us, all our coaching staff, about, you know, guys control what we can control. And, you know, as a coaching staff, we all focus on that, man. That's really important. Um, and one thing I learned as a coach, you know, if you show any kind of signs of tense or uh, just being like you don't know, your player's going to find out. So everything we do is with confidence. So the situation is different. We weren't used to, you know, being in this, but we are confident in everything that we're doing. So, um, and it's just been a great two days, man. The guys came in. They worked extremely hard, you know. Um, so, we excited about next week and for the future, man. We just hope that, you know, everybody can stay safe and we can get over this COVID-19 soon. You know, it's, it's a terrible situation right now. But, you know, all we can do, man, is pray and just continue, you know, make the best of it. No doubt about it. Coach, uh, the final thing I want to ask before we get you back at it, and, again, we thank you for your time and your coaches uh, and everybody across the board for what you guys are doing. As you know, the other topic that's uh, here in the room is what's happening around our, uh, around the world, around, of course, here in the United States directly, of course, uh, with uh, so much tragedy uh, with, uh, in the community. The separation is starting to become uh, the hot topic on many sports shows. But right here on Southern Sports Central, we're about unity in the community. Now, let me ask you, Coach, have you guys reached out to your kids and, and kind of explained to them what's going on with, you know, everything? And, of course, so many, uh, you know, we're seeing it in, in different towns with protests and we're seeing it with, with different conversations. But to me, this is an opportunity for you coaches to continue doing what you do and father and mentor these young men. How much have you guys had a chance or have you all taken the opportunity to talk to your young men about how to get out and, and, and do what needs to be done to get us united back together? Uh, yes, sir, man. It's it's a tough situation. Um, unfortunately, my grandfather was uh actually murdered, you know, by police officers a couple of years back, man. So, you know, it, it's a real tough uh topic for me, man. You know, and the things that's going on. But uh, you know, I brought it up to the coaches uh, like maybe about two week, week and a half, two weeks ago, and I just told them, you know, it, it's hard for me, but I just understand that, you know, the things that we're doing, man, we're doing it for all kids. So my biggest thing right. is just talking to them and making sure they understand that, you know, we can make a difference within our community and we can do it together. You know, we don't Amen. want no separation between our kids, man. Like, we're going to control what we control, and what we control is, you know, getting strong, thermal better, and being able to help our kids understand the importance of still getting their education, still doing things the right way, and still sticking together as a family. 
you know, because we believe in once you a rebel, you always rebel, you know, and we uh, we firmly believe that, man. It's just, you know, it's a sad situation that you have to talk about, but again, though, it is the world and it's reality, you know, but we just tell those guys, man, just, you know, understand that, you know, your brothers are your brothers, you know, and we just mm-hmm. try to make sure that we, we support each other all the way around because I, I 100%, 100% believe that on all coaching staff, we got guys that, you know, we believe in each other and we 100% got each other back. And that's important, man, because a lot of coaching staff probably can't say that, you know, truth be right. told. But for us, I believe that everybody on that staff, we understand the situation and, you know, and we, we can put stuff on the table, man. We can talk amongst each other, but we also know that it's still love, you know, and we can we can talk about it and just, you know, just stay as tight as we can, man, this time because the world is separated, man, but I just praise God that, man, it can get, get a better place and then we can all just come back together, man, because, you know, you hate to see people just, you know, have to lose their life and things like that, you know, especially, you know, short like the way it's been doing. And, you know, I just – it's hard, man. It really is. It's tough for me. Um, situation that, like I said, is real close to me, you know, but um, at the end of the day, I think that what I'm doing and the way I'm going about it, my grandfather will be proud of me. So whenever I get, you know – discouraged or whatever, I think about that. I think he'll look down on me and say, like, I want you to continue doing what you're doing. Don't worry about me. You know, I'm in a better place. I tell you, Coach, uh, the way God moves on this show is always amazing. And right here, right now, I mean, you know, I had no idea. And and my heart goes out to you and your family. And I appreciate what you just said because it's very surreal for you. I mean, that's that's amazing that you have the attitude you do. And, uh, much love from my entire staff at Southern Sports Central, uh, and myself to you and your family. And uh, if there's anything you can you can you need at all, maybe the platform, maybe the voice, come on here anytime. I do want to say uh, for what you do in and around your community and giving back to the place that raised you, helped get you to where you got day in and day out of the youngster. You went back and you're doing it for those young ones around you, Coach. We we say thank you, your staff, and uh, start lining up these kids, man. I need to get some kids on this show, so if you want to. Start putting some stuff together, get with Eugene, and, and let's get some players on the radio, and let's do some introductions, man. Uh, I don't know what the season looks like, but I'm going to give them a voice whether we play or not. Yes, sir, man. I appreciate y'all having me, man. Whenever y'all need me to come down there, tell them guys I'm ready to work whenever they want me. Hey, anytime you got time, we got a spot. Eugene will cook. He'll, he'll get you fed, and we'll get you ready. But I got some DBs. I want to put you – I'll put you to work, man. We got it, man. But God bless you, your family, and we'll talk to you soon, Coach. Yes, sir, man. Thank y'all for having me. Always a pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, how about that? Saul Thurman is where we were at there for a virtual campus stop. As uh, the defensive back coach, Chet Merriweather, joined us. He played his days at Benedict College, but before Benedict, he was hanging out right there on Sean Thurman campus. We're going to go to a break and come back. We're heading to the Bayou. That's right, Louisiana with, well, Matt Simp. He is uh, with CrescentCitySports.com. He's a beat writer for the Tigers of LSU. He's also a high school reporter as well, guys. Don't go anywhere. Hour three is coming up next. When the night has come and the land is dark, and the moon is the only light we'll see. No, I won't be 
I tell you, when you're having fun, it just goes by so fast. This is Southern Sports Central. I'm Rich Elvin alongside Eugene Vint, hanging out in Studio B. He is over in North Charleston. I'm out and about, out on location. And uh, we're doing some other things out in town here tonight in the bright lights of Somerville. So we're covering it from town to town. And now we take the bus and we drive to the state of Louisiana. He hadn't been in here in a while, so we got to get a COVID check. Let's check the temperature. And uh, the family, as we're live right now with the one and only Matt Sims with Crescent City Sub. Man, how's life on the bayou? It's good to talk to you, man. You know, we're just making it by down here like everybody else, having things up your way. Uh, Well, we're opening up. All gas, no brakes, man. That's our governor's philosophy, you know. I mean, look, we're going big or going home. And we're we're, we're not where we want to be in the numbers uh, when when you look at things, uh, Matt, but at least uh, for the coaches that are starting to open up the fields and uh, the little leagues that are starting to swing some bats and do some things, I'm feeling pretty good. Coaches are taking it very serious. They're socially distanced, the kids. But uh, at least we're we're getting moving a little bit. You know, it's weird because uh, the local Walmarts down here, uh, they're closing at like 9 o'clock. It's old school stuff, man. The grocery stores are closing. It's not the 24-hour service. I wonder if that's a thing of the past, man. What's it like there? In Louisiana, man, uh, is there certain restrictions? We haven't had anybody from your state. I was saving it for you. But uh, where is the state of mind for the community before we get to the uh, sports world? Well, I mean, you know, you may or may not know, we it was, we had a really bad outbreak of it down here in, in late March, early April. And, you know, there's a lot of different questions about it. But the general consensus is people – Everybody seems to think that it was brought down here and really blew up because of Mardi Gras. And, um, you know, so our numbers spiked significantly real fast. So they shut everything down, both economy and sports and high school sports. And, you know, we um, uh, it was just around the first, about middle of May that things kind of opened back up in the phase one. But the city of New Orleans has been a little bit slower in reopening and, um they were a couple of weeks behind with phase one and now we're as a state all into phase two. And so, you know, they're, well, it's very similar to here. Stores are not open 24 seven and it feels kind of old school, like you said. And, um, our, uh, you know, high school, 
athletes are starting to get back into the position of doing voluntary workouts. And, you know, of course, in this time, when as soon as you start to open it up and allow for stuff like that, then people start trying to figure out a way around um, a way around the rules. And so, you know, we've had uh, multiple high schools that have been accused of um, violating the rules for um, workouts where, you know, we're not supposed to have one coach per every certain amount of players at a particular workout and, and all these different high schools now are turning themselves, turning one another in, accusing the, you know, accusing the other of having more coaches and adults at voluntary workouts with the uh, players than they were supposed to. So, you know, we're just getting up and going and in the real life stuff. And now the high school athletics association is having to investigate a whole bunch of schools to figure out if people really were, um, you know, violating the rules with workouts and stuff like that. So, you know, it's, um, I mean, in a way, when you read those kinds of stories, it is, um, it is kind of nice to have a break from the regular news cycle, so to speak, but then you look at it and, you know, all you can do is just shake your head because everybody's in the same boat. Nobody's been able to work out. Nobody's having team activities. So everybody starts to ease back into it. And everybody's still on the same page, but immediately, you know, team teams start looking for ways to get edges, and they start skirting the rules. And now it's going to lead to um, lots of investigations, and um, you know, could lead to some pretty big punishments for some high schools down here with, uh, you know, either coaches fired or teams um, banned from postseason play. So uh, it's um, it's been a whirlwind across the world, man, from just regular COVID effects to the sports world as well down here on the high school level. Yeah, no doubt. We're live right now with a man who's a huge contributor for Southern Sports Central. He comes to us all the way from the great state of Louisiana. Down there on the bayou, he comes in representing CrescentCitySports.com. Of course, a huge contributor, like I mentioned, to the LSU Tigers, the high school Friday Night Lights. So we're getting it in a huge spectrum. We've now touched on another state. This is, I think, state number eight that we've touched on this week here on Southern Sports Central because we already had North Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Alabama, Texas. Now Louisiana comes to call. So, of course, you're hearing the very same rule in the state of South Carolina. One coach, only so many players. You know, my, my, my thing is, Matt, is why are these coaches allowing guys like you and me, and I wouldn't even ask, I don't even want to go to these practices, why are they allowing us to come out? And, and be at these, these these events because to me you're just you're opening the opportunity for something to get out because it's hard it really is this is the new rules it's hard to kind of put everything in order but when you got a camera taking pictures man the cameras don't lie I mean that's a good question there's um, this day and age you know word gets out fast as you you know have announcements about voluntary workouts and you just try to keep it within your own school and your own team the type of information is going to get out to others pretty quickly. And this day and age, everything's being videotaped somewhere, somehow. So we either think that, oh, well, I can hold my practice out here on my own field and and uh, uh, believe that I've closed it off to the public and think that nobody's going to know what you're doing. I mean, it's really just a, just a foolhardy way of thinking. And it always ends – it never ends well. It always ends badly for all those involved and – um, and then ultimately it's the kids who get punished because 
you know, the only type of punishment that really makes the dent besides firing the, the coach is in um, uh, is then to ban the team from being able to participate in postseason play and and once you do that, you know, now you're affecting the kids and you know, they're they're innocent in this. They didn't do anything wrong. So um, you know, I, I understand competition in this day and age. The, the desire to win in any sport whatsoever is, I mean, is at an all-time high. And so these, you know, these coaches are, even though they're not getting paid in dollars at college and pro coaches are getting paid, you know, they're still just as competitive and try to go out there and win and they're looking for an edge anywhere they can get it. But, I mean, there's just, there's no way of skirting around something like that and skirting around rules of, um, and not having it get reported in some way. And, and down here, you know, in Louisiana, we have such a, um, you know, we, we have such a, a hot, uh, it's such a hot button issue between high schools and private schools where, you know, these schools are split. They don't play in the same uh, playoffs in any of the sports, football, baseball, basketball, softball. Um, and so, you know, public schools are always believing that private schools are cheating. So, you know, they're going to go out and report anything that any private school does. And then the public schools that are really successful, all the other schools are then trying to figure out, okay, well, what are they doing? You know, how are how are they getting around the rules? Oh, well, they must be, they're going out here and look, they're, they're not having a voluntary practice. They've got coaches out here coaching these kids. And, I mean, everybody's just looking to point the finger at another school at this day and age, in this atmosphere, in, in the state of Louisiana, and high school football, so you know you're not going to get away with breaking the rules on even something as small as voluntary workouts down here. You're just not. But you know these coaches, they you know they feel the pressure to win, and their competitive spirit to win um, makes them think they can get away with that type of stuff. So you know I, I don't get it either. But uh, at the same point too, I can I, I do have to step back and say I, I'm not in that spot. <laughs> I'm not coaching the team when where my job's on the line based upon how many uh you know wins and losses I bring in every year but um you know but uh, that's you know that's kind of where we're at down here so um and I you know I did want to say too because uh, I wanted to say when you were mentioning about the covid that you know, after we had that huge spike we did a really nice job bringing the numbers down and as pockets around the state were seeing the numbers go up, but as we states reopen on the whole and moved into phase two, like many other places, the numbers are starting to tick back up, but it hasn't been anywhere near like the spike that we saw around the first part of April when, you know, Orleans Parish and um, Jefferson Parish and some of the other outlying parishes here had some of the highest infection rates per capita in the world, you know, not the country, but the world. So, you know, we really got behind the eight ball quick and done a nice job to dig ourselves out of it. But, um, you know, but it, it's, um, you know, and unfortunately, too, when you talk about high school football, uh, you know, amongst the many of the people that we lost, you know, a very legendary high school football coach in New Orleans passed away from it, um, Wayne Reese Sr., who may not mean anything to any of your listeners there, but um, uh, his most famous high school uh football player that he coached uh, is something somebody would, would, all your listeners would know, and that was Marshall Falk. He was Marshall Falk's high school coach back in the 90s. And so, um, you know, he had just recorded his 250th win this past season. And, um, you know, that was a really devastating loss and kind of really brought 
you know, um, in the sports world, just really kind of brought the the whole pandemic straight to home and, you know, showed you just how close it was to lose such a, you know, huge uh, beloved figure that had, you know, coached at a lot of the schools down here. And, um, you know, it was a, it was a huge loss. So uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, didn't mention that down here as well. Cause, um, you know, besides shutting down the sports world, we also lost, you know, uh, we also lost some pretty big figures too locally. Wow, we're live right now with uh, Matt Sims. He's with the CrescentCitySports.com down there on the bayou in the state of Louisiana. And, again, you, you know, for you guys who don't believe this thing is real, you, you hear another sad story about one of the coaches, but multiple uh, local officials. There's so many that have been affected by it. The state of South Carolina, I think, had another record day of a spiking here. Uh, again, it was two weeks ago almost that, that, that they did, of course, some protesting. So protesting numbers, right? From, from what happened a few weeks ago are going to start to come up as well. So I, I expect to see across the country record number highs because people were elbow to elbow and they were protesting and they were marching. And, and again, you have the right to do that. And, and, and a lot of peaceful ones were done throughout the country, but they still were done at a very close compass, uh, you know, um, shoulder to shoulder width, right? No six foot rule was put in place. You see it in, in Alabama. You saw it in Louisiana, here in South Carolina. And, and, again, these numbers are going to start to get involved in some of the most recent testing numbers coming out. Uh, Matt, i got to ask you as well. So I see college campuses are starting to load up with their athletes. Tennessee had their football team come out. Jeremy Pruitt had no numbers. But then here comes some of the basketball players, and one tested positive. Two of the guys behind him, plus his roommate, sent home to quarantine for 14 days. What's the report on the national champion, LSU Tigers? Are they on campus, and how did the uh, numbers, if they are, come out with these get gentlemen uh, returning back to campus? Yeah, they um, they they moved to voluntary workouts first of June. You know, reopened the campus for students to come here for voluntary workouts, you know, and they're taking. You know, they are trying to abide by protocols as well and only having a certain amount of people working out at a given time and, um, you know, and when they're doing your, um, you know, your your off-season conditioning drills, your running and things of that nature, having only a certain amount of people out there um, in the indoor facility or outdoor at the outdoor practice field at a given time. So they... Yeah, you know, they are finding ways to get a, to work with it, work with what they're allowed to do. But it's certainly not the normal. You know, you don't have everybody living on campus in the close confines. Uh, I, to my knowledge, I haven't heard of any player that has tested, um, has tested positive, or had to quarantine due to possible exposure. So, um, from that side of it, I would say they're doing pretty well. But, um, you know, they're. Uh, it still remains to be seen what's going to happen, um, you know, and, and what's coming up pretty quick in, you know, a couple of months. You know, I, I think that they're talking about allowing an extra week of practice in the summer, allowing summer camps open a week or maybe a week and a half early to make up for the time lost from spring practice and also to make up for the fact that you may not be able to actually field a practice with 100 players out on the field at the same time. Um, all the time, so to speak. Um, so, you know, um, 
I think they're just trying to gear up for all the different possibilities that come and go with that. But for right now, you know, they are they are doing voluntary workouts and Orgeron and his staff are, you know, still recruiting remotely. Um, you know, they've has gotten some recruits in the uh, last couple of weeks, some pretty big ones and and you know, they just they keep moving right along as best they can there. And uh Orgeron and his staff, you know, they hold Zoom meetings, um uh, multiple times a week, and you know they're they're conducting meetings by that. So they really haven't missed a beat as far as connecting. They just haven't been able to do it in person. So you know, um, you know, to to really be successful in this type of stuff, you've got to be able to adapt, and you got to learn how to adapt quickly. And so I think that's uh, I think that's what LSU is doing. Um, I think they figured that out pretty fast, and they're um, continuing to perfect it each and every day. We're live right now with Matt Sims, CrescentCitySports.com. He's also a big contributor here on a regular basis, definitely during the season on Southern Sports Central as he comes to us live on the bayou down there in Louisiana. He's a beat writer with the high school sports, but he's also covering those national championship 2019 LSU Tigers. Now, we all know the storyline. It will be in everybody's memory the way that LSU had that Cinderella all the way to the championship season. What do we expect, though, Matt? Can you guys reload down there on the bayou? Can you continue to bring back that power offense and that shutdown secondary defense? Uh, what's your thoughts and, and realistically on this team coming out here in 2020? Well, I mean, it's the key again, and stop me if you've heard this before, the key again really comes into what kind of play you get at the quarterback position. You know, Joe Burrow set a bar high you know, so high it may never be eclipsed at LSU again. And it may not be eclipsed at all. You know, you may only ever be able to get um, you know, as good as that, but not better than that. And and so Miles Brennan, who's been here for three years, patiently waiting, um, is stuck with the program, you know, he's gonna uh, he's the heir apparent take over starting quarterback and um you know, he they're talking him up a lot. You know, he was a spinner in high school. He was recruited as a pocket passer, more of a pro-style quarterback out of Bay St. Louis, Mississippi, so fairly local to here. Um, and so it's really going to be about how accurate can he be throwing. You know, uh, the thing that, you know, you talk about Burrow and how amazing of a season he had, um, his mobility was a real factor in his success and made him so difficult to defend. But what really made him so difficult to defend and what made LSU's offense so great was just how accurate he was as a passer. And I think it's unrealistic to ask Miles Brennan to come in and, and be that accurate of a passer as well, much less expecting to do it. But, you know, he's going to need to be he's going to need to show accuracy because he is not a runner the way that Burrow was. You know, he's not known um, uh, and his style of play in high school was not to tuck it and run. Um, you know, he felt the pocket collapse and he saw lanes. And so if you take that element out of the quarterback position at LSU, it is going to make that offense a little bit more um, one-dimensional when they go into the passing game. And so that then means that it's going to be even more prevalent that when Miles does put the ball up, that he is as accurate as he can be with it. Um, you know, he's still going to have some amazing weapons to throw to. I mean, the Lindenkoff Award winner, Jamar Chase, is coming back for his junior season. And as you saw against Clemson, you know, if you're going to guard him one-on-one, you're in for a long day. 
Um, you know, and the Peach Bowl, Oklahoma saw it and knew it, and they double teamed him, and Jamar Chase didn't really do much against them in the Peach Bowl, but everybody else just, you know, obliterated Oklahoma defense. But Clemson decided to go one-on-one and go man on him, and Jamar Chase just ate him alive. So um, he's back, and he's going to be the number one threat. So, you know, he's going to draw everybody's top DB, but, you know, not everybody's top DB is going to be able to defend him one-on-one, certainly not every play. So uh, you've got a big threat there. Um, You know, the offensive line is still a question mark because you're – you know, you're, uh, you graduated or you lost all but one of the starters from last season to the drafts. Only Austin Deculus is returning, so you're going to have four new faces there. Um, and then the running back position, you know, Clyde Edwards, Elair declared. So, um, you know, losing that type of little scat back with that quickness that he showed. But LSU's got some young kids there that are going to be coming up that, you know, there was a, they were very heavily recruited in John Emery. Uh, out of Destrahan, who was a long-time Georgia commit and then decommitted from Georgia and wound up coming to LSU. And then Tyron Davis-Price, um, who was a local kid who showed some flashes of freshman. You know, those two guys are going to be the big running backs to really fill that void. So I think offensively you're still going to see a, a high-potent offense and an offense that can score some points. Um, you know, but defensively that's, that's going to be the real big question because you know, Dave Miranda's gone, the defensive coordinator, um, you've lost uh, uh, you've lost um, Grant Delphit from uh, safety position. who was the uh, the Jim Thorpe Award winner. You've lost Rashard Lyons off the defensive line, plus Kaylee Von Chason, who was the fast, speedy pass rusher off the edge. So you've got some pretty big holes to fill there uh, on the defensive line for LSU, plus a linebacker. You know, in the secondary, the secondary is probably where they're the strongest because you've got Derek Stingley coming back and. He was the all-world freshman this past year um, who uh, a lot of teams picked on him early because he was a freshman and after making some pretty amazing interceptions, you know, uh, Auburn was one of his victims. Vanderbilt was a victim. Um, And he, you know, he proved that he may be a freshman, but he played like an upperclassman. So you've got him coming back. He's clearly going to be the anchor in in the secondary. You've also got an incoming freshman who – Technically, is coming out of IMG Academy, but he played out of Modern Day High School in California for several years. And Elias Ricks, um, you know, he's a very highly touted freshman. People expect him to certainly play as a freshman, if not start. So, uh, you know, the defense is really going to be the big question there: is how well they adapt with a new coach and so many new pieces. Uh, but the secondary should, you know, should be fairly well anchored. Um, and, you know, you've got a schedule that's a little bit more favorable for them to this year as well because, you know, tech, they get to play Texas at home. They get to play Bama at home. Um, yeah, they've got to go to Florida. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it's hard to really know just what type of environments any of these places are going to be because we don't know yet uh, what fans or how many fans are going to be any of those fans right now. So, you know, if you're just strictly looking at it on paper, you know, they're definitely going to be a competitive team. They, they're they not going to be favored to win the West, but they weren't favored to win the West last year either. So, you know, you got to take that kind of stuff with a grain of salt. But um, I don't think they're going to sneak up on anybody like they did this past year. You know, I think they just – I think that win at Texas and then, um, you know, going into Bama and – putting 46 points on the board really just uh, that, you know, that opened some eyes and dropped some jaws 
and uh, I think they kind of snuck up on people with their potential before they did that. And so this coming year, I don't think they're going to sneak up. People um, are going to be watching them a lot more closely, and they're certainly going to have the attention out to everybody in the SEC. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, here's the thing. LSU is is at that point, and, and I think everybody in the country is waiting to see, was this a one-hit wonder? You know, was this a – because everything lined perfectly in the stars and the world of Mardi Gras was perfect and the Tigers came marching in doing what they do and had that year. Because it wasn't just Boro. And I get Boro gets a lot of credit, Matt, because, yes, without a doubt, I mean, the guy's a special kid. But it's a team sport. There were guys on the secondary. There were guys on the front line on the offense that had that guy not got that blocking at the right time at the right angle, Boro's laid on his backside, and we're talking a whole different type of game, right? I mean, that's kind of how I look at it. But you touched on this earlier, and I know Eugene's, uh, you know, working the board for us and doing a lot of things, but I did go to the 24-7 sports recruiting board. And it looks like you guys have not only the number one, but you got the number two guy in the state of Louisiana. All right, that's Keyshawn Boyd, I believe. How do you pronounce his last name? Because I know it's a little different down there with the with the the, the area down there in Louisiana. It's B O U T T E. Is it Butt? Uh, that's uh, you pronounce that as Booty. Booty. Now that's a common last Bouti. name though, because I believe there's other guys that have played maybe not at LSU, but it sounds like I've heard that last name before uh, down there on the Bayou. Yeah, you have, and there's actually a town. There's actually a town by that same name down here as well, um, which is uh, the little community where um, Laron Landry uh, came out of. You know, who played for the Redskins and was in the pros. So, yeah, it's a very common name down here. The rest of the world, not quite sure. You know, you're not quite sure what to make of that when you say it, but it's a very common name down here, just like Boudreaux and Thibodeau would be. Right. Now, when you look at the rest of the list, you've got. Roy, who is a wide – now, that was a wide receiver. You've got the number two guy already committed to LSU, Jacqueline Roy. He is a defensive tackle. Then you go down to the number four guy. He's a defensive tackle. So, you've got two of the best defensive tackles in the state staying home. Now, up until we get back down, and you've got to go all the way, I believe, in the top 20, but he's sitting somewhere around almost there, 22, actually. It's T.J. Finley. He's a pro athlete there, so I would imagine – uh, you know, this is a young man at three stars, but out of the top 25, LSU has five of those gentlemen. Everybody else, you know, they got him going all over the country. No one school other than LSU has, the, I, I guess, the most kids going to one school. Do you see that, or who do you guys think right now is the biggest name coming out of Louisiana that you're trying to keep home? Yeah, that, they, uh, Orgeron certainly did a good job this past recruiting class. Um, with with defensive linemen, interior defensive linemen, of keeping them in state, you know, um, under Les Miles in the last several years of his tenure, in the first couple of years, Orgeron was there building the program. You know, LA, uh, Louisiana would have at least one good, you know, really big defensive lineman recruit, and they just continually lost him to Alabama. And and you looked at the way the game was played, the trenches are where Bama would always beat LSU. So it became very clear LSU's got to win that recruiting battle in the trenches in order to then win in the trenches out on the gridiron. And so they got two big, huge recruits in getting uh, uh, um, uh, Jacqueline Roy and Jacoby and Guillory to stay at home. And Roy was a really big get because he goes to University Lab High School, which is on the LSU campus. 
And, um, you know, he was really getting pushed hard from Texas A&M and um, University High has had some kids decide not to go to LSU, not to stay on campus, so to speak, and go to other places like Bama and A&M. So he was a really big recruit for them. And then Jacoby and Gillery was a big defensive tackle from Alexandria, Louisiana. He was a he was a huge get for him. And, you know, his name is – they call him Tank. That's, um, you know, that's his nickname. And I think they had something on uh, social media earlier this spring, you know, showing him, like, doing a squat of, like, 700 pounds or something. You know, and the kid's not even on campus yet playing, and he's squatting like that. And, um, and you know, this coming class for 2021 – the top recruit in the state, again, is a defensive tackle. This kid's name is Mason Smith, and he's out of Terrebonne High School, which is down in the area that Ed Orgeron is from. It's just the next parish over. And so, you know, LSU's making a huge push to try to get him, um, you know, to try to keep the trend going of, of having the top defensive uh, interior linemen, uh, you know, stay in the state and, and come to LSU. And, and, you know, all the signs point to him staying, but he's also – making it clear he's not going to be committing anytime soon. You know, he's going to play out the recruiting process, which you can't ever blame a kid for doing that. But, you know, um, you know, Orgeron had a very nice recruiting haul, and um, he just got a spot. They just got one additional spot to open up in the 2020 class because a, a kid from small town, Haynesville High School, who had been committed to LSU but didn't sign because he was trying to get his grades up. Um, now just suddenly changed his commitment and now he's going to go to Memphis University and sign with them. So that frees up the spot for them in 2020 so they can either use that for a possible transfer or they can keep it and apply it toward the 2021 class, you know. And so um, they don't know yet what they're going to do because this news has just happened in the last couple of days. But, uh, you know, but Orsron – you know, the national championship and them being in the mix for the national championship definitely helped LSU and helped Oregon on the recruiting trail because he's finally starting to stem the tide and get the big kids to stay at home. And, uh, you know, if you can put up the fence around your state and keep your top talent in there, um, it's it's always going to work out well for LSU. No doubt, man. Ed Orgeron's best voice. Well, we might go fast, but well, we might go slow. <laughs> Either way, they're going to go somewhere, and, and national championships are, are are the big thing. Perfect situation, perfect scenario. Matt, before I get you out of here, and I do, man, I'm glad you're being safe. I'm glad the family's well. I'm glad everything is good for you, man. It's been too long. We can't let it last this long. We got to stay in touch uh, here on the show. We love having you in here, man. They love to get uh, reports around the country, so we appreciate you catching up. But uh, the last thing, do you see the uh, the college football kicking off on time, and do you think we play a full schedule? Mm, I mean, it's it's really hard to know, man. If if numbers nationwide keep going up, um, you know something's going to have to happen in order to stem that tide. Because if numbers keep going up, you may not have businesses. You know, your WalMarts and your grocery stores and your restaurants closing down again. But it's going to be really hard to justify putting eighty, ninety thousand people in a stadium you know, elbow to elbow um, every Saturday to watch football game. Uh, so, um, you know, I do think the I do think the season will kick off on time. I think that it will look different to some degree, either reduction in fans or no fans to start off. But, um, you know, it's it, that's also subject to change week by week, you know. I may change that tune um, next week depending on how things look. But 
I don't think it's just going to be business as usual when we get to Labor Day weekend and, you know, kick off. I, I don't think things are going to be like they normally are at that point. Not it's certainly not with the way everything is trending right now. And then there's a report about some things coming across the ocean from uh, the other side where hurricanes fall in, some sand or some storm or something. Uh, it looks like 2020 is the year that uh, I, I'm kind of like this. If I'm riding shotgun in the car, I just want to get out and walk the rest of the way. I'm good. Uh, looking for a, a brighter day tomorrow. But, uh, man, again, thanks for all this time. You gave me 30 solid minutes, as you always give me uh, the best news and anything happening down there in the bayou. And, of course, uh, man, I got to get you a ticket to South Carolina, man. And uh, Eugene, of course, wants to come over there and uh, do a live show. So maybe if we can get some things running again, we'll come down there and We'll do a little uh, live show down there and, uh, on Mardi Gras. <laughs> All right. That sounds good to me, man. <laughs> Be good, buddy. Much love to you, man. We'll talk to you soon. Stay safe, and God bless you, brother. All right. Take care. Good talking to you all as well. Stay safe. Always a pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, when you get the guys like Matt Sims come in here and, and just educate you and entertain you for 30 minutes, it don't get no better. Let's take a break and give some love to some people that are loving us back here. Of course, uh, we couldn't do a lot of this, some of our guys and our sponsors. And, of course, uh, for what it's worth, i, I got to say that everybody in this community of Somerville all the way to North Charleston to uh, just in and around the great state of South Carolina, it's a never-ending appreciation. And, and, again, without the sponsors and, and the support from the community, you know, Southern Sports Central doesn't happen. So I just want to say we appreciate all those who reach out. If you're looking to be a sponsor, you want to join us, because come July 1, we will reset the numbers. We will kind of put things back in order. So make sure you reach out to us. Let us know if you want to become a, a full-time sponsor. Maybe you just want to be a shout-out. We can do that as well. But multiple packages are available. So we'll take a quick break. we come back. We're going to head to uh, the Big O. That's right, Oceanside. And I talked to his own head coach over there, of course, uh, Joe Call, a good friend of mine, uh, as we spent many times together on the radio. And uh, looking forward to getting him back in here tonight, guys. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Richie. I'm alongside Eugene Benton. He's over there in Studio B. Either way, big sponsors out there for the Factory Sports and Fitness Training Studio. Of course, uh, loving what these guys and girls are doing over there at the gym in Hanahan. Make sure you give them a look over there on Facebook. Again, that's the Factory Sports and Fitness Training Studios right there in Hanahan, South Carolina. Now we go back to the hotlines, of course, uh, with the Tip Farm sponsoring that, and that is with the one and only Joe Call from Oceanside. What's up, Coach? What's up, guys? How we doing? How we doing? We're we're uh, we're eager to hear, man. Uh, you're coaching. You're moving things, man. I see the face mask. Uh, the, <laughs> the thing pulled up over your face. Can you breathe in it? Man, I tell you, it's like altitude training. My, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, we 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 done some different, you know, races or whatever. Um, uh, like some endurance races, like in the mountains, and uh, you know, we've had to do some training in the past. I mean, putting put the mask on is. Uh, I feel like I'm altitude training, trying to trying to breathe and coach and blow a whistle and all that. But uh, 
you know, I'm not complaining, no complaints, just uh, enjoying uh, being around the guys and getting to meet the guys and the coaches, and, you know, we're all, we're all spread out and doing our thing, but, uh, you know, it's, it's good to be around the guys and, and seeing them kind of getting after it, and, but the, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's funny kind of watching, you know, you and I were talking a little bit yesterday, I was telling you, but, you know, it's kind of looking around, you know, everybody, you know, wearing all the different masks, you know, I think it's, it's cool rather than everybody's kind of got their own little creative touch, you know, and, and here at Oceanside, you know, we, we were able to get the mask with, uh, with the big O on it, and uh, our coaches are rocking that, so it's, uh, I don't know. We're trying to make the best of it. You know, I know uh, everybody's doing the best they can to, to make sure we follow the guidelines and, um, you know, that way we can move from phase to phase, which, uh, which actually we found out today we're, we're not going to be able to move out of phase one. So we're going to, we're going to hang in phase one and kind of keep doing our thing. But the, uh, yeah, it's uh, a little difficult at times, but it's, uh, it's what we got to do. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's actually, you're seeing a lot of, a lot of numbers go up, and, you know, everybody's going to kind of have their arguments one way or the other about why those numbers are going up. And, you know, uh, when, it, when it comes down to it, you know, it's like, like my wife says, just, you know, if everybody wear a mask and wash your hands, you know, we'd, we'd make our way through this. So, uh, you know, when it, when it comes to, to somebody who's a little bit smarter than me, you know, if people tell us to wear a mask, let's wear a mask. If tell us to wash our hands, let's wash our hands. You know, do what we got to do because uh, – you, yeah, the, you know, y'all guys know as, as well as I do, and everybody listening, you know, we started talking about uh, you know, two, two things here. You know, you start talking about, you know, uh, kids not being able to go back to school, or you start talking about taking football games away. You know, people will tighten up real quick. You know, we all think, you know, <laughs> you got to gotta agree with that. You know, you start taking football games away and kids not going back to school, then everybody's going to listen a little bit better. Yeah, I like your angle on the kids not going back to school thing because I'm telling you what, man, there are parents right now. I think that you are you're right on and, and spot on. I think football is a big thing, but these parents have had to become triple duty professionals. I mean, one of those is to do their normal job and then to to, to do a few other things, but they also have had to become school teachers. And, and trust and believe me, uh, they're ready to send these kids back to school, be it in July or August. So if you told a parent, if the governor got on the radio tomorrow or the TV and said, look, if you do not separate yourself, you will keep your kids forever. And trust me, man, people will automatically voluntarily stay home forever until further notice. And I think that's a good call. But, you know, there's, it's pretty cool to have a doctor on staff, but you've got a doctor in-house. I mean, when you go home, you know, your wife, of course, uh, is a huge – I mean, I appreciate – what Elizabeth does for the community and everybody that she comes in contact with, because it's kind of like firefighters, you know, in this situation where they run into fires, we're running out. Well, the same goes for your wife and all the other doctors and nurses. And then there's in the medical field, they're running into this fire called COVID-19 coach. How, how much has it helped you and how much more aware has it put you than you would say maybe another coach or definitely another father like myself that I don't have that knowledge around me. Yeah. Her, uh, you know, her her view on it is, uh, you know, a lot of people will will have their theories of whether we should be wearing masks or not, or you know what, what's going on with it. But you know, she puts a good spin on it. It's it's you know you might not think you need a mask, or you might not think you're going to get COVID nineteen, but you're wearing it for other people's protection. You 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 wear a mask in public to to keep other people safe. Uh, you wear a mask uh, as coaches. We wear it around our our kids uh, while they're working out to keep them safe. 
You know, we're not we're not wearing it because oh, I think I'm going to get the the, the coronavirus, so I need to wear a mask. And you're doing it to to prevent any chance there is of people that you might have come in contact with. And you know, because so many cases you're hearing about it, people don't even aren't even showing signs or symptoms. You don't even wouldn't even know you had it, but you could be spreading it. You know, so you you really you know, and it's a it, it comes down to a selfish thing. You know, uh, there's a lot of people like, well, I'm not going to you know anywhere that says I can't go in the store unless I have a mask. Well, I mean, and I, I get it. Then then don't go. I mean, that that that's fine. But you know, um, you know, and you're really doing it for for the safety of others who, uh, you know, just kind of, you know, keep keep the spread, you know, from the chance of spreading it, you know, uh, uh, down. And, and and a lot of things coming from. Uh, my boy Smitty, you know, and D. Murray, Brian Smith, you know, my, my teammate from the Citadel, you know, I mean, he retweets and posts a lot of stuff because, uh, you know, I know it's directly affected him and, you know, he, he's concerned about it and, you know, he's been preaching this from day one, like, man, do whatever we got to do to stop any chance there is for this thing to spread and, you know, if, if, if the, the people who are smarter than we are are telling us, even in my own house, like, look, when we go to a public place, wear your mask. Hey kids, you might not want to wear that mask. You might not can breathe. Wear the mask though. We're, we're, we're trying to trying to prevent the spread of this thing and keeping other people safe who think they might get it. You know, as much as you think, well, I ain't getting this this uh, this uh, coronavirus or COVID nineteen. So, but other people, uh, you know, you, you're doing it for them. And you know, David Shelton, you know, he was he was on on social media, you know, saying you know the same thing. So. Uh, you know, it's just it's different when you're when you're in the house with uh, someone who who understands a little bit, you know, the the deeper understanding of this kind of stuff. You know, we, I mean, we know sports. You know, all we do is read the sports page, right? You know, we we watch ESPN. You know, and uh, so if, if she had a sports question, you know, if she wanted to know, uh, you know, about about certain teams or certain athletes and you know stuff like that, she would ask me. So when it comes to a medical question, I'm going to ask her. You know, and I'm I'm going to do do what what you know that that she thinks is the right uh, thing to do. So, and I think we should all do that. You know, what what are the whether if we have our opinions one way or the other, uh, left side, right side, whatever you think it is. You know, if you got these medical experts telling us to do something, let's do it. You know, let's get back to to whatever this uh, you know whatever we can do to to get these kids back in school. You know, because it's much more than. You know, when you talk about, and Richie, you talked a lot about, you know, uh, mental health, you know, and, and my wife's in, in mental health with, with psychiatry. But, you know, I mean, these kids need to be in school. They need to be social. They need to have interaction with their classmates, their teammates, with their teachers, you know, and, uh, and back in society. And if, if it's something as simple as wearing a mask when we go out, man, damn, we're wearing a mask, you know. I mean, it's hard, it's hard to be like that, but, you know, it's but, uh but it, it comes down to a lot more issues than just oh I'm a I'm a you know it's a lot more health health related issues than that and you know, we want to do whatever we can to kind of get get these kids back in school and uh, and, and help with their overall health you know not just uh, right. you know just the COVID nineteen does that make sense you know I, I said a lot there no, but I'm I, trying to no, trying, I, trying to make I, a good point there and because it's what I hear her talking about all the time you know I mean because she. She believes in having kids back in school and interaction, you know, and, and I think the kids are going to go back to school. And if it's a you know, a chance to get them back with them not having to, to go eight hours a day wearing a mask, then, you know, we need to do our part as adults and, you know, kind of kind of help that generation coming up and, and do our part. Yeah. And, and here's the thing, uh, Coach, you, you're like, again, uh, if your wife wanted to know, 
what a certain play was on the football field, she's not going to ask one of her coworkers at the hospital. Well, she might, but she's got a better chance of asking you. You are a coach. You run the plays. You know the play callers. Well, for example, no, no offense, Coach, but if you want to know about what's going on at COVID, please don't call me because I'm going to just tell you what I read. I'm not going to tell you facts. Call that right. lady that, that, that lays beside you because she's going to give you the answers, and I'm not going to call you. I'm going to call her. So I, I think you're right, and, and that's something else. And, and like you said, I've mentioned it before. We're, we're, we're going to start watching not only the, the educational part of this thing start to struggle, we're going to start seeing the mental part of this thing struggle because this young generation already has mental struggles across the board. They don't handle the word no very well. They don't handle losing very well. They don't handle a lot of things very well. And I hate to say that, but I can say that because I have four kids in this generation that I'm talking about. So I may not be talking about, per se, the kids on the air listening, but I'm I'm speaking on behalf of what I've seen. And and when these kids aren't going through a routine, it's going to affect them. And it's going to affect their decision-making, their ability to handle it. You know, we had a a, a scout who you know, Mr. Tyson, very well. And, And he said something that at first I took it offensively, and then I thought about it and I said, you know what, he's right. Baseball is a sport that I grew up playing. I played in college. I played a little bit further. And and for me, baseball taught me to do something that I never realized it taught me. It taught me how to suck. It taught me how to fail and and figure out how to win. More than anything in baseball, you strike out more than you you, you hit. That's just life. And it's teaching you life lessons very (laughs) young. Yeah, that's true. Right? That's very true. Think about that. And for your young son, Carter, he's a baseball player. Thank God he's a lefty like myself. He's blessed. You know, he's way ahead of him. For me, I love it because it does. It teaches you how to handle failure, not to accept it, but to handle it. That's the same thing that school does. It teaches our young people how to, how to fail, but yet how to find another way to achieve. And this is related to athletes because they're also student athletes. So for me, Coach, you know, I look at it in the bigger scheme of things, and I used to get so frustrated on social media when I would see parents going, God, they're sending too much homework. I'm like, no, that's schoolwork. <laughs> that's the stuff that they should be doing anyways that they weren't doing, and now they got to do it. And, and how many got to do it, had to do it? Because I can tell you that I'm sure that, and, and, and you're, you're also a teacher along with a coach, not a, I'm sure not everybody turned in things. I'm sure there are some students that didn't turn anything in. But you were in such a weird position that you couldn't really afford to not Push them through. And how much are we helping them by pushing them through? They say this on athletes all the time. Athletes are always scrutinized saying that they were pushed through. Well, guess what? We got an entire class of 2019-2020 that was just pushed through. Right. Yeah. You know, and and that's so so true. And it's those things that, you know, these kids learn you know, and, and all their extracurricular activities to, to learn to do that because it's going to help them in life, you know. I mean, we're we're life coaches as much as we are, you know, sport coaches, you know, because <laughs> you're, 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 you're teaching those, you know, different, uh, you know, ways to handle adversity, those different values. And, you know, uh, they, they, you know, one of the greatest coaches uh, of all time, Dick Vermeil. you know, I mean, they, they said he was as much of a, a life coach teaching his players how to, how to be ready for their life after, you know, I mean, so it's, it's all kind of, kind of goes the same. So, you know, goes, goes together. So, yeah, I mean, but it all goes back to, you know, what you're saying, you know, getting, getting these kids do what we got to do, you know, right now to get them back in those situations where they can keep learning and not lose this, 
this this class, you know, this class coming up, you know, and and uh, because that, it'll definitely uh, affect them for sure. Yeah, for sure. Live right now with the uh, Oceanside head football coach, of course, a huge contributor and a brother of mine, Joe Call, joining us here on the final segment on a Thursday night. It is Father's Day weekend coming up. No show Sunday. We've given everybody off, coaches, players. Well, the players enjoy their fathers. I'm hoping some of these players aren't fathers. But if they are, hey, enjoy your kids. But <laughs> nevertheless, we're not going to do a show Sunday. So, yeah, I mean, again, hey, it is what it is. It's COVID-19. So we're doing it uh, COVID-19 style here. Coach, you know, when you put everything in perspective for me, and I keep throwing this out there, and maybe it's not realistic, but if we're trying to contain this thing, We've got to take measures as best as we can. And I think not playing sports, you know, I get it's not the main important thing, but it's a huge part of a lot of people's lives to get them out of their communities, to get them to where God's getting them to go into college and to the pros to play a sport because that's what they're here to do. They're here to entertain, and it's through the world of sports. So my thing is if we start seeing the spikes, can we not homeschool these kids until January? Moms and dads don't like this, but just hold tight. But we homeschooled them until January the 2nd, which is when they would go back to school normally after winter break, but still allow our athletes to come in and play their winter and, and, and fall sports so that they can get these college scholarships, so that they can go to college. Because if they're not on the football field, you've been a coach for a long time. You grew up playing sports for a long time. You and I both know that the kids who didn't stay on the football field, they stayed into something, and it usually wasn't good, right? So my thing is if we teach right. them, or, or treat them kind of like a, let's use uh, everybody's favorite, right? Is uh, the guy that was the quarterback down there with the Gators, who uh, you know is a Christ follower and one of my favorite guys of all times. I love him to death. But he was a homeschool kid who went to practice, he went to games, but did his homework at home. Do you think that's a bad idea to try to sell to to the state of legislations or whoever we have to go to to say, look, keep them home until January the second, the athlete will report because it's easier to manage 50 than it is to manage 500. Coach, your thoughts? All right. You know, and uh, uh, I, I think we came a long way, really, uh, in, a, in a short period of time of, of the, the e-learning, you know, like the, the distance learning, learning from home, and, uh, and being able to, you know, kind of expand on that. You know, I know the administrators and, 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 and all the educational leaders, like within, you know, just using our state have, have – come a long way and, and kind of figured out you know ways where whereas it wasn't the best situation but it, it, it was a way in order to to try to make sure the kids were still still doing something and then I think with uh with a little time you know they'll they'll continue to to improve that and and the kids you know of ways to make sure everybody has the you know what what they need uh you know all the technology or you know all the resources available to them at home and uh, for the districts to actually be able to provide that to them in a better way as 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 it, as it moves forward, if it comes to that. And uh, but I I do think uh, you know if, if they're able to do that, to still incorporate the, the different extracurricular activities. But with that comes uh, you know we're gonna have to have a little bit better measures of of testing procedures. And I think uh, you know this is kind of a test run during the summer, you know, with our high schools of uh, you know putting us through you know having us go through like phase one, phase two of, uh, you know, cause we're, I mean, we're, we're temperature checking and, and doing symptoms, signs and symptom checks every day. It's like, uh, you know, our, our kids, you know, how are they responding to the types of, of, of workouts? But, you know, like, you know, 
it's, you know, like uh, um, John Harbaugh said, you know, I mean, he's an NFL coach. It's like, you know, when you get to, to certain sports that are contact sports, you know, where people, are, you know, are, are, you know, up close and personal to each other, you know, how how is that going to, you know, affect the numbers as well? So, you know, I, I know they're looking at a lot, and it's, it's tough decisions right here, but, you know, they, they got to try to, at some point, you know, we, we got to start, you know, in, in – it really, like Elizabeth said this too, you know, she's like, once there, you know, I think a lot of people will kind of ease up once there is a vaccine out there. You know, people are, you know, like I think West Ashley High School uh, and Moultrie Middle School, some of these schools are, are offering uh, these these athletes uh, like free COVID-19 tests. You know, I think as people are getting tested, you know, if they're they're coming back, you know, that, that you know, they're they're good, you know, they're, the tests are negative or whatever. And I think people start feeling better, especially like if a, if a vaccine comes out, you know, and I think that's a really kind of push, but like you're saying, you know, that may be January 2nd, you know, I mean, it may be before we can go back right. to school and, you know, to have, have that vaccine, but, you know, like that, Dr. Fauci is saying, you know, I mean, if these sports carry into back to the flu season, you know, I mean, they're, they're kind of expecting a round two, basically, you know, to, to show back up a, a spike. And, uh, you know, so it's, uh, God, it's gonna be a be a tough call, you know, and and I, I really don't have a, a great answer for you other than, you know, I I, I agree with you if, if we could to build on the, the homeschooling or the distance learning and still incorporate, you know, very slowly, um, you know, the the sports and extracurricular activities. You know, I mean, we're taking it really slow with our groups of nine, you know, one coach, you know, and then if we can move into phase two, you know, maybe like, all right, let's continue doing all the safety checks and everything, but now incorporate, you know, uh, a ball, a, a volleyball, a football, or, or whatever it is, and, you know, just kind of see how that, you know, how everything kind of reacts to that, you know. But the, uh, you know, and, and if it needs to push, you know, even even later, if it takes time to get that done, you know, let, let's, you know, have that little bit of, hey, if everybody's, you know, if you go follow these rules and take it slow, we can get there. You know, and not try to rush into it too quick. You know, not try to say, all right, you know, we need, you know, everybody practicing football, you know, July 31st, you know, or August 1st. You know, we need to be, be cranking up our, our volleyball or whatever it is, you know, the fall sports. Right. And just say, hey, you know, this year it, it's been different. We may need to kind of ease ourselves into it. But, uh, you know, I, I do think uh, as we, you know, get into – you know, more and more people are able to get tested. And, you know, even like uh, with some, what we're seeing with some of the professional leagues, you know, they're saying some, some of the guys like in, in NBA or whatever are going to test positive. You know, they're not going to shut down the whole restart of the NBA season because one or two on each team, you know, uh, and they hadn't even given a number. Nobody can give it a number. They're okay. saying if there's an extensive amount of people that test positive, then we might say, well, what's an extensive amount, you know? So, and and it's just still that unknown, you know. But uh, I think, uh, you know, I, I think that the people that are that are smarter than we are are going to make the right decisions. And I think uh, the main thing, really, and and kind of wrapping my my thing up here, but uh, <clears throat> what people have to do is just just trust the people who are making decisions that that they're trying mm-hmm. to make the right decision for our kids. You know, they're not not trying to to overreact or they're not trying to you know, hurry things back. They're trying to really are trying to make the best decision. And uh, we got to trust that, you know, we have great administrators who are, who are, you know, making sure we're following guidelines for a reason. And, uh, and I think we just have to trust that. And, you know, if it causes us to take it slow, then, then we need to do that, you know, and not, not be the 
try to rush into something and then we all regret it and everything gets shut down and, and then we have nothing. Right. Well, you know, you don't want to be that, that school. You don't want to be that coach. You don't want to be that statistic that shows a spike and it happened with you. I think that's kind of the biggest thing. Coach, I'll tell you, I'm not sure, and, and I have the, the opportunity to talk to Elizabeth, you know, of course, at football fields, and, and I've been around you for a long time, so I've had a chance to kind of grow up around her there. Uh, but I'd love to have a chance to get her in here. You know, I know you're a big deal, and all you coaches are amazing, but, hey, right now, boy, I tell you, she's got to be one of the hottest commodity on the radio or TV to, to uh-huh. educate us. I mean, she's got, a, she's got a piece of paper that says she's a big deal, kind of like you do in the football field. So, uh, maybe you can sweet talk her tonight and say, hey, you know, Rick said he'd like to get you on the radio. <laughs> yeah, come up, a, hey, come she, and she, and she would, you know. You know yeah, she has a great perspective. That I think a, I think a lot of a lot of people would like to hear. So I, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, so let's do it. Coach, uh, we're going to cut it, man. Uh, it's the end here. And as always, uh, first of all, um, they, well, I've got about two minutes. But I, you, you mentioned this earlier, but I wanted you to get out some of the stuff because, again, you have the opportunity to speak to a professional in this COVID field as we're all trying to get back to something better than what we did yesterday. And, again, that's working in stage one. But you said that they're not going to let you guys go to a stage two until further notice. Is that what, is that what you were saying? Right. Yeah, we got a, a notice that you know, we're going to stay in phase one uh, going into next week and uh, you know, keep our groups separated and keep the kids separated in the groups of nine. Uh, with a coach for for uh, working station, so uh, you know uh, for for sports like volleyball, um, you know the the volleyball players can have like one volleyball per uh, athlete, you know, like a bump against a wall, or you know, kind of you know be able to actually have like their own you know volleyball, or like with with football, like you know quarterbacks. You know, we have we have a quarterback net that our quarterbacks can throw into, you know, so they they can actually use a. That's what like phase two is going to look like. For us, you know, that's kind of the only change is they can't pick up a, a ball, but, you know, it's like you can't throw to a receiver yet, you know, but they can actually, gotcha. uh, you know, throw into a net, you know, as long as they, they have their own football, you know. So, uh, and uh, the same thing like with volleyball, you know, like I said, you know, they can have volleyball and girls together and, you know, doing the volleyball thing, but, you know, everybody has to have their own, own volleyball. Well, that ought to be interesting, Coach. We'll get back in here with you next Tuesday. Of course, no show on Sunday, so happy Father's Day to you. And uh, as always, man, not only do you do great things off and on the football field, you help us uh, get a little smarter, look a little better here on the show, and we always appreciate you hanging out with us, buddy. Man, thanks for letting me call in, man. I just uh, I texted you and said, man, you, you mind if I call in? I just I enjoy talking with you guys and kind of join in on the conversation. So, and I just, uh, man, I just love hearing your voice and talking with you. You got it, buddy. Anything we can do, let us know until next time. I'll catch up with you out there, I'm sure, and Eugene as well. But uh, we appreciate you, and we'll talk soon, Coach. Thanks very much. And, uh, again, happy Father's Day, buddy. Yeah, thank you, man. Uh, Happy Father's Day to you as well. Eugene, keep them guys kicking, man. They're looking fantastic. See you guys. All right, buddy. Well, there you go. The coach at the big O. Yeah. We got him right here with us. Ocean Side Zone. Coach Joe Call. Eugene, you there with us, buddy? You've been kind of quiet. we got about a minute left. I figured I'd let you say a little something before we dive off the air. Oh, no, man. I was just listening in. Uh been some great guests. Um, gosh, man, you know, and it was so cool that you pointed out we tagged another state with Louisiana. Uh, I know you know that's where the origins of my family or, or, or where my family originated. And just uh, loved hearing from them, loved hearing about what's going on, say, Louisiana. But, uh, you know, to, to end up with uh, Coach uh, Joe and 
all the guys here that I've trained, I coach a bunch of kids that see they're at Oceanside or I played at Oceanside before. Um, you know, it's it's a great way to send off a Thursday night. You know, it's just it's kind of like closing a week. He's been out there with the guys for two weeks now, getting them back in the weight room, getting them on the field, exercising into the program. It's all new. It's new for him too, and so uh, it, it's a heck of a way to close the week. Just really looking forward to the show on Sunday. Uh, actually, no. Father's Day, so next Tuesday. So, yeah, we have a few days off to enjoy family. There you go, man. Well, uh, on behalf of me to you, brother, happy Father's Day to you, and uh, I hope you enjoy your weekend. I'm sure we will catch up over the weekend, and we always do. Uh, I also want to thank Jay Williams, the South Carolina Youth Football Association Commissioner, Kevin Billadou with Live 5 Sports, the CBS Sports, uh, who joined us here at 7 o'clock. Coach Champ. Merriweather. Of course, he came in here from Sean Thurman, played his days at Benedict College. He's a defensive back coach doing big things in the secondary. Matt Sims from the Bayou, like you just heard from Eugene, coming in from CrescentCitySports.com. Also a huge contributor to Southern Sports Central out of the state of Louisiana. And, of course, without doubt, Joe Call joined us to wrap it up there. Of course, uh, we want to thank all of you. Happy Father's Day, guys. Until next time, we'll see you Tuesday night live right here on Southern Sports Central. Virginia, the Blue Ridge Mountains, Shenandoah River. Life is older, older than the trees, younger than the mountains, growing like a breeze. Country roads take me home to the place.
But I've done all this I wish you 